What's going on, drinking buddies? Before we get into this week's episode, you know what time it is. It's time to pay a couple bills. First and foremost, we are brought to you by our friends at Vinyl Me Please. Seriously, if you're into vinyl and you're not signed up for Vinyl Me Please, you have made some poor life choices. If you don't know, Vinyl Me Please is the record of the month club, the best record of the month club. Every month, new vinyl, exclusive vinyl. They work with the artists. They work with the record label to give you absolutely exclusive printings of some of the best vinyl. When I signed up, I got an exclusive printing of Black Sabbath's Paranoid. It's month to month, no contracts. Cancel any time if you're not happy. I don't know why you wouldn't be. In addition to the vinyl, they give you drink recipes, and you know I am all about that life. If you want to join Vinyl Me, please go to joinvmp.com slash A-N-W-D. Again, that's joinvmp slash A-N-W-D. Join Vinyl Me, please, today. Tweet me. DM me. Tell me what vinyl you got. Send me pictures. I'll retweet that shit. I'm really curious to see what you guys get into. We are also brought to you today by our homies, Ghost Tequila. Ghost Tequila is a 100% agave, Blanco tequila, 80 proof, infused with ghost peppers. I know I've been talking about Ghost Tequila for months now, if not even shit, years? Well, maybe. Time's kind of fluid at times, and a little bit of alcoholic time travel. Ghost Tequila definitely helps with that. Enough Ghost Tequila, you will see the future. But seriously, Ghost Tequila is the drink to get your party started. Take a couple shots, loosen you right up. If you're not in one of the lucky states where you can go buy it locally in your liquor store, go to www.ghosttequila.com and order a bottle today. Once again, I want to see your party pictures. Send me pictures of you partying with Ghost Tequila. And last, but certainly not least, our homies at Laughable. Laughable is the number one comedy podcast app on iOS. Not only can you subscribe to your favorite artists, your favorite shows, they give you recommendations, they recommend artists and shows all the time. Download your favorite episodes, automatically delete them when you're done listening. You can automatically download new episodes now. It is the best podcast app out there. My friends with Androids, go to www.laughable.com, get on the sign up list. The moment, I mean, the second it comes out, you will be notified and you will join us in the promised land of Laughable. Those of you on iOS and you're not listening to this on Laughable right now, you're fucking up. You could be up here where the air is crisp. So go download that shit from the App Store right now. Before we get into it, we got a couple other quick announcements. Very pertinent to this week's episode. We are brought to you by Mr. Cyan Presents DomCon. It's a 15-year anniversary of the DomCon. We talk about it quite a bit and how crazy it gets later on in the episode, but you should definitely check it out. It's in L.A., May 9th through the 13th at the Los Angeles Hilton at LAX. Registration is already open, so go to domconla.com to sign up. Hopefully, I'll see you there. I'm going to get weird. It's going to be a lot of fun. We are also, in addition to DomCon, being brought to you by Sanctuary Studios LAX. LA's largest dungeon, featuring a beautiful and talented staff of doms, switches, and submissives, available seven days a week, conveniently located just minutes from LAX. You got some extra layover time before your flight? Pop in for a session. It'll be a ton of fun. 
You won't regret it. Be nice and relaxed before you get on the flight. Everybody wins. They accept all major credit cards. So check them out at SanctuaryLAX.com. Our guest this week is fetish artist Jay Moyes and Miss Cassie. The mistress is a professional dominatrix and a BDSM educator. And both of them are lifestyle players and have been for years. I love talking to the fetish community. They get wild in ways I can only just kind of wrap my brain around. And we talk about all sorts of craziness in this one, guys. So sit back, pop a cold one, and enjoy. <laughs> On to drinks. The more important part yes, of the please. show. Yes, please. So, how's everyone doing tonight? Thank you for coming by. Oh, doing well. Doing well. Thank you for having us. It's good to be here. Definitely. Definitely. We were just talking about a lot of fun stuff off air. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know where to like segue back in from some of those stories. Oh, my goodness. I think this is kind of a stop anywhere kind of conversation between mm-hmm. Cassie and I. We're pretty well perverted that there's plenty of plenty of areas on the record where there's going to be something weird and wacky and out there well absolutely my students are always asking me well when did you know you were you were kinky miss cassie and um i used to think back when i was a teenager and a young woman and then it struck me one day the first time i tied somebody i was five and he was three (laughs) (laughs) wow so I know, I know, and he loved it, and I didn't get in trouble or anything, so it must have been, we were very, very quiet and very good, mm-hmm. and um, hopefully my mom associated it with the Harry Houdini thing I was watching on TV, or, you know, whatever I saw in Bonanza that day. <laughs> <laughs> Did you lasso him? Well, actually, I had all these jump ropes, and I'm looking at it, and we had one of these little kid chairs, and I'm just looking at it and going... Let's do this. You remember that? This? And he's like, okay. And I'm going, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. You know, I won't dress you up in girly clothes this time. It'll be fun. (laughs) Well, okay. (laughs) So you've been a lifestyle player from a very young age. Wow. Yeah, evidently. I, I didn't even realize it. I have been dressing men in women's clothes since I was a little kid. <laughs> because I always thought it was when I was a teenager and I dressed my brother up as this hot go-go dancer for a Halloween dance. Oh, he rocked it. I put him in my this swingy jersey dress that I had, green tights, white go-go boots. And at that time in the 70s, hair was long, so all I did was take my curling iron and fair-faucet it out. And I, you know, made him up and make sure I stuffed my bra so that he looked like he was stacked. Oh, it was a great night. He looked hot. 
and every guy at the dance would come and ask him to dance and halfway through the dance <laughs> was when he would let him know he was a dude <laughs> Did he end up getting in a fight that night? or No, they were just amazed going, you're shitting me. You're shitting me. Oh, my God. I, I, you totally fooled me, dude. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and part of me is going, they pay good money for that now. It's like, yes, actually, right. they do. And hey. you know what my costume was that night? What was it? My friend came as, you know, a monk. I came as a nun, and when I saw him, I took my shawl, shoved it under my dress, and we went as a couple. <laughs> so basically, a pregnant nun, a monk, and a cross-dresser. And a cross- <laughs> hey, people do pay good money for that these days. It was just the friends and family discount. Mm-hmm. Has your brother taken advantage of your services recently? or You know... Not really. That's a shame. It is. It is. You he know. should support the family business. He should. Absolutely. Well, you know, he's busy these days with kids, and the man's in his 50s and still playing rugby. Both my brothers are. That's tough. Yeah. Wow. That is. That, I, I, did you watch for. the World Cup the other day? Or whatever it was, the big football game on St. Patty's Day? No. Oh, that's brutal. I forget how brutal that uh, rugby can be. Oh, my God. You're walking them in that scrug and everything. I'm going, oh, my God. My brothers do this for fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's crazy. <clears throat> Absolutely crazy. I, I was never really into rugby until I went down to South Africa. And I got to watch the Springboks play in the World Cup with a bunch mm-hmm. of South Africans in Cape Town. Mm-hmm. And I was turned out. I'm like. This is so much better than American football. Yeah, you'll take this. My my young brother, he toured through South Africa with a rugby team. That's awesome. Yeah, he, he has the greatest stories from those days and how friendly everybody was. And, of course, he brought back all this gold. He's, like, <laughs> he's an <laughs> 80s child. He is going to be the one that dies with the most toys. <laughs> Until I was down there, I didn't even realize we had an American team. Yeah, we do. I'm glad we do. Yeah, I'm glad we're competing on the world stage in a sport that most of America doesn't even know exists. I know. It's amazing. And it's a brutal game. You it's, know, I it's strange with everything that's been going on with the NFL lately. I would not be surprised if within the next few years we actually start seeing more people gravitate towards rugby because of all the restrictions and all the controversies going on in the NFL. But the money's still with the NFL, unfortunately. This that is true. it is. Yeah. You could go play rugby, maybe not get CTE, maybe not get as banged up. I mean, it's a rough game, but it is not as much two 300-pound men running headfirst at each other. Yeah, but it takes a certain kind of person to play rugby. Um, I've been a massage therapist for 20 years. <laughs> And one year, when they were doing an event for the American Cancer Society down at the big OMBAC tournament down in OB in San Diego, they said, you will come and massage. These people are nuts. They'd come off the field. I'm going, sweetheart, you have a concussion. She's like, no, rub my leg out. I got to get back out there. Don't you know, bitch? Come on, just rub it out. I got to go. I got to go. And I'm honey, your eyes are, your pupils are different sizes. I am fine, damn it. I got to take that bitch out. She's looking over here thinking she's talking to you because she sees two of you. 
I'm just like, hold still, and I'm digging my fist into her calf, you know, trying to get the cramp out for her, and then into her ass, and she's like, oh, it's good. Okay, I'm good. And she goes, this is the women's rugby team? It was the woman. This this doesn't even count the guys. (laughs) The guys yet. Oh, my God, it was amazing. (laughs) My mom loves um, watching the old guys from Europe play. The Mm -hmm. old French guys come over, and they're puffing on their cigarette, running down the field. (laughs) (laughs) This <laughs> is like a locomotive. They're going. <laughs> now that's tough, right? <laughs> when you're smoking a cigarette while playing the game. <laughs> that's a set of balls right there. Right? Mm-hmm. But then again, you might be afraid to tackle that guy because he'll put a cigarette out on you as you're tackling him. <laughs> I don't think they worry about that so much. Or some... Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> That's the the big thing between NFL and rugby, though, is the pads in the NFL actually allow the NFL players to hit each other harder and not think about the consequences. And that's, I think, part of the reason we see more long-term damage from NFL players. Possibly. Possibly. Also, you know, the rugby players have a, a long tradition of uh, drinking tons of beer after the game. That may help in the recovery process. I'm sure it does to a degree. They're, you're supposed to drink beer after a marathon too. After you know, it replaces yeah. electrolytes and. I remember one time my dad tried to keep up with them. He didn't realize that the minimum basic requirement was that you had to be able to down a keg. <laughs> That's just too much liquid. <laughs> I, I went to Oktoberfest back in September, and I'm not Whoa. a big beer. I'm not a big beer drinker, but when they come to you at a liter at a time, by the end of it, it was like I'm fairly drunk. But Jesus Christ, I need to piss all the time. <laughs> and there's massive, like, normally what would be a lady's wait to get into the mm-hmm. men's room. And I'm in Lederhosen. And trying to get my dick out through Lederhosen oh was quite God. a bit of a challenge. It's like undoing <laughs> buttons on the front snap. Like, uh, uh, I know it's in there somewhere. I gotta go. Fuck! I gotta tell you, one of the things, being, uh, being older, that I miss... Is you know I went into the fault line for uh, uh, like one of the Tom of Finland art things. I'm an artist. That's you know part of the thing. You know so, but I'm there at this big gay bar, this big leather gay bar, and it's like I got to go with. And I go walking into the bathroom, and I'm like suddenly it's like oh how I've missed this, the trough. <laughs> oh my god! Partitions. None of these. You know, it's like you just walk right up. Zip. They had that in elementary school for the boys. We always would look in there and go, why do they have a long sink? (laughs) (laughs) The first time I saw one of these as a child, I had no idea. Yeah, I thought I wasn't sure if it was a sink because ours had it like. Well, because we also had long drinking fountains on the playground. So I'm going, why did the boys get a special fountain? I wouldn't be surprised if like there are women that are like, you know, just give me a little practice. I, I, I'm down with that. If I don't have to wait in line, if I can just, just lift up the skirt, just aim it just right, you know, maybe maybe have one of those little Dyson hand dryers nearby where I can just dry it off real quick and then walk out. I can see that. It's like, I'm Well, not... actually, women could do that. Our stream is extremely strong. If you have a pissing contest between a man and a woman, a woman will win every time because she pushes babies out of there. 
<laughs> Actually, I have some friends that did that down in Ocean Beach. <laughs> <laughs> Pushing babies or doing the No, the piss thing. The, the woman won by a landslide. <laughs> And so a waterfall. <laughs> we just have the advantage of actually writing with it because you guys have to kind of crab walk to write and we can just... Yeah, you, you have the ability to be more accurate, but are you? Hell Do no. Do any of you ever hit the toilet? No. We start hitting the toilet. We start and then we just you don't start, finish. But then, yeah, you know, it ends up here. It ends up there. You get close. You get close. We're easily distracted. We're just like, That's oh, yeah, true. toilet, toilet. Oh, what's over? The- oh, now I'm pissing on the floor. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> Oh, that's someone else's problem. Uh, I'm out. I guess that's why they're pushing the pee in the shower movement. What they say is to conserve water. I think it's so that we don't have to clean the pee up on the floor anymore. I believe that. I fully believe that. Conservation. It's, yes. It's conservation. It's easier cleanup. But it's, you're going to end up with some drunk dude who ends up just shitting in the shower, not even thinking about it. Oh, my God. You know that's going to happen. It, it, you know it has happened. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Some dudes are like, oh yeah, just morning hungover, or still drunk, and just leaning against the shower like, oh yeah, I'm going to just go, oh, oh shit. Mm-hmm. And then you have a really bad cleanup. Yes, you do. Well, that's what that shower massager thing is for. Oh, Not that's to get too true. Gross, but it's like, that's like, you know, it's like whenever, when we moved into the, in, when I moved into the house with uh, my sweetie, it's like, we had to make sure that there was a shower massage there. In part, it's like, that's that's for the cleanup. That's for oh, no, no matter what happens. Absolutely, because I used to have iguanas, and, you know, they're five, six feet long. And, um, yeah, they outgrow their cages, so you potty train them to use the tub. And that shower massager is your best friend for keeping things neat and tidy. Oh, my God. I, did, I had no idea. Oh, yeah, oh, they're the best. my boys. Oh, they were awesome. I, I have one. <laughs> You have an iguana? No, the shower massager. Oh, the shower massager. Is it the th- I the thing the things I learn about my friends sometimes. Mm. Yeah, no iguana. Though I think it would fit in my pad. Just have an iguana chilling in here. Oh, they're yeah. cool animals. At least mine have been all really good. I've been able to you know train them well, and um, they're hilarious. It used to be I couldn't have sex during the day because he could open the bedroom door. <laughs> and um, most of um, in here. my sexual partners were not okay with a six foot lizard jumping up on the bed to see what we were doing. I, I, I have to back you up for just half a second there. Do you remember the first time it happened when you found out that he could open the door and like to watch you have sex? You know, because it doesn't bother me. I never thought about it. It was the first time somebody screamed and said, whoa. And I said, it's just Isby. Do you remember it in vivid detail? Can you take us there? Can you make us part of it? Oh, okay. Well, then I had this really shitty bed in my um, room. It was a futon, one of those fold-down couches mm-hmm. with the uh, mattress from hell that had every lump imaginable. So basically, there's little futon mountains on this thing. You know, so getting a good bounce was not easy. Definitely You not. know, so we're, you know, going and everything, and we get a rhythm going, you know, and I notice out of the top corner of my eye that the door is going <laughs> and so you're closer to the ground too as opposed to if you were like yeah because it's it's you know because it's it's a fold-down futon okay so i'm like skirting her this way you know <laughs> trying to 
Nothing to see here. Nothing to I'm see. Just, you know, hoping I'm going to get her to the big O before he jumps up on the bed. <laughs> she's going. She's, ah, ah. He jumps up on the bed. She goes, ah. <laughs> Not the screaming orgasm you were expecting. Yeah, but she squirted like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> Who knew fear squirt was a thing? <laughs> that that will be the next. That that's the trend that the adult industry has been looking for. Fear squirting. Mark my words. Your roommate will be like, "Hey, have you heard about? Oh yeah, we now figured. Yeah, it'll be you know the next thing from. Uh, it'll be two sheet blacked and fearsquirting.com. What are you talking about? I'm going to register that domain before we get this on air. Go for it. It wouldn't be the first time that I've gotten drunk and just randomly bought domains. I'm like, that sounds like fun porn. <laughs> I still to this day actually own quantumload.com. Oh, my Lord. I wanted to start a quantumly porn parody as a porn series. I love it. Writing hookups that once went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the Samantha Beckett. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do we get that cheesy little opening music? Oh, yeah. Okay. 100%. And the best part about it is you could cast whoever you want it because Sam always goes into other people's bodies. That's true. That's true. You know, and I like the cheesy uh, music angle because we all have the chee-wonka-wonka-bang-bang music in our head for pornos no matter how much they've gone out of their way to score these pieces so they're fantastic. We still remember chee-wonka-bang-bang. Oh, yeah. If it's subtitled, it says Q baseline. <laughs> Oh, you know, you Just never forget that. the same bass player. Over I hope that dude's getting royalties. I know, because he, you know, when I saw, what was it, Deep Throat with uh, Linda Lovelace, I saw that in the theaters. One of my first uh, pornos was Candy Stripers. Oh, dig this. Um, I'm working at an ice cream parlor, right? And um, as a rite of passage on my 18th birthday, they said, well, we all have to go down to the pornos. It's a rite of passage. We are in our ice cream uniforms, (laughs) which are um, old-fashioned straw hats, the high-neck striped shirts. I've got the black skirt, the little nurse shoes, the nylons. The boys are in the vest. Oh, my goodness. And what is playing? Candy stripers. And, of course, we're passing the booze around, and we're getting really drunk, and we're watching the candy striper porno, and it's just like this, the cheesiest porn you've ever seen. You was know? that Desiree? Was Desiree Costo in that? You know, I have no idea who the players were. I have a flash of Ron Jeremy's face somewhere that night, because oh. I don't know how many pornos we watched. Mm-hmm. I just know that at the end of the night, somehow they brought us back to the restaurant, and um, I remember stumbling down to the San Diego River trying to take a piss <laughs> in my uniform and my nylons getting all these fox stickers in them. I don't remember how I got home, but that's all I remember. That's the important part. You made it home. I did. And Somehow. I didn't get the usual lecture from my parents about, you know, eating bad carrots and, you know. <laughs> they always thought it was cute when I came home drunk. In the 70s, you could do that. Now, you know, parents are held accountable. That is so sad. When did that start? Um, About 20 years ago, I think they started making parents accountable for their children. You know? I just missed that then. I just missed it. 20 years ago, 
I was someone else's problem. I don't know. I'm I'm old, you know, 20 years, you know, 20 years ago I was almost 40, so. Well, and I have to admit, this is one of the funny things about adult and the kink scene and that sort of, you know, I never really think about it because, I mean, you know, it's... Cassie, Cassie does bartending for Sanctuary. She does the the rope bond. We should probably talk about. Since, you know, why, why Not just my sex escapades oh, and yeah. running around. We can get days. off subject at some point. <laughs> you know, it's like we, we, it. She, she. I've always thought. Well, uh, <laughs> I've always thought Cassie was hot. Aww. Aww. That's so sweet. And, and I made him kitty ears and a tail. Yes, you did. I did. Very nice. And they're really cute. Aww. Uh, I was making anime stuff for a while. I had somebody that was into cosplay, so I have a whole suitcase full of foxtails and ears and shit now. Nice. Bunny ears that light up. <coughs> Orpheus had a thing going for uh, at Sanctuary called Club Hentai. Mm-hmm. And the hard part with these events is something specific like that it's great when it opens, but you can't like do it every month or so because people also start- um, they didn't prepare the vanillas for our kink scene. And where oh. it went awry was they did an edge play scene where they did a, an interrogation scene with needle play, and it was very bloody. So for our oh. vanilla audience at home, what is edge play? What is needle play? Okay. Um, you know, there are very lots of different ways to do BDSM. You know, basically what we call gateway spink would be uh, spink. <laughs> Have another drink. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Kink is um, things like spanking, for instance. Almost everybody, you know, understands a little bit about spanking. Definitely. Us in the BDSM community, well, we've analyzed this to death. We can tell you everything that goes on in a spanking, including how the nervous system responds to it, how to build it up so you can take more and more, and why we do this and do this is because the nervous system does that. I mean, we get really geeky about it. Do I have to pay to hear this beautiful information for the newsletter? Um, actually, no, you don't. Um, I recently just did a spanking and flogging class for uh, Fuck University, which is one of the projects that I work on. Um, Fuck stands for Females Uniting Kink. Uh, the name of the organization is Club Fuck, and it is a femdom-based organization. Basically, we, we allow um, anybody who identifies as female to participate as a dom, a switch, or a submissive, but male submissives only. But we had a great response to our, we had a spanking and flogging class, and we went over the anatomy. I brought in my mannequins and let people draw on them where, you know, the danger spots where we don't hit and the places where it's safe to hit and let them practice, you know, using what we call a flogger, which is, um, it's got a handle, it's got long leather flanges on it. And you build up like a figure eight rhythm and you hit people in the big muscles to produce some impact, either thuddy or sharp, depending on, you know, what effect you're trying to get out of the scene, you know, and it was a great success, you know, bringing the the actual physical understanding of what we're doing, that we're just not a bunch of fucking idiots that like to hit people because, 
you know, it isn't that. It's not a beating. We build up to this. It's like, you know, when people realize that and, you know, then once you finally get why she comes out and goes, oh, you look at my marks. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I'm so, this is so awesome. Look what Sir did to me. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm going to be in subspace for a week. <laughs> I, I think that's also one of the reasons why BDSM sometimes is, you know, some people kind of find, you know, they, they're like, where has this been all my life? Mm-hmm. Part of part of what we're used to in mundane culture is, you know, it's like if you can keep going for like more than 60 seconds, you've scored something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like. Well, it's like an amusement park. You remember yeah. how we used to get that thrill as a teenager going on the Tilt-A-Whirl? And, um, well, I grew up in San Diego, so it meant Belmont Park and the condemned roller coaster. I don't know if it's still condemned. But that was half the fun <laughs> of riding it, mm-hmm. was that you never know if at any moment that thing could collapse. But You know, and then you can oh. get that same thrill out of BD. BDSM, it just doesn't require that same attunement of the, you know, equilibrium system and stuff, but it does bring that same endorphic rush. True. And you can keep it going. Mm Because the thing is, is that like, I mean, on on one side, uh, sometimes trying to promote some events has been a little difficult for me because it's like, you know, how, how dramatic can you make a flogging? How dramatic can you make a bondage scene per se, depending on what's going on? Depends on on who's playing. Depends (laughs) on who's playing. And because it's, (laughs) it takes a while. It takes a while to get to, to where you're going on some of these places. But Mm -hmm. when you're actually being tied up, being flogged, you're actually adding time into that frame. You're adding a buildup before, you know, before you get to the orgasm, um, or if there's an orgasm, you can you can you can hit that point and then come back again and go again and again and again. But it isn't always about the sex. True. You know, it really is about the play. It's like conventional sex, eh, you know, I may or may not have an orgasm. It's really hard to, you know, to get to train people what to teach and what I need them to do. Mm-hmm. Where if they really realize that, you know, if you spank me the right way and then kick my clit the right way, I'm going to squirt across the room. Literally kick? Yes. All right. Um, it's done the right way. Well, obviously. You know, so you don't injure me. But yeah, there's a certain amount of you get that spanking in the BDSM going where that gets me hot. I can have an orgasm without any sexual stimulation. I can have it strictly through BDSM. I mean, that's why I let, for my birthday, I I bought him for Mistress Melissa, you know. And Melissa's hardcore. Oh, God, it was so good. I was just an absolute girl puddle after that. Oh, my God. Aww. Yeah, she made me keep my panties on because she knew it was going to be wet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a little but, you know, with just a little discussion about what makes me tick, it's like, no, I mean, I can take a heavy beating. You know, then I'll just hunker into my Zen place and endure it. Back off a little bit. Oh, you get me in my happy spot. And it's just like, then you bring my submissive out, which is really hard to do because I've been a dominant for a very long time. And I rarely will trust somebody to, to dominate me like that. Mistress Melissa, she has my heart. She's, she's been one of my longest friends in L.A. I know I can trust her explicitly. And also she knows my sir. 
and knows better than to damage the property. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking awesome. It's awesome that you have people that you you trust that you can play with outside of your normal comfort zone. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, I'm spoiled because I've I've played with some of the best. You know, when I was still a, a sub running around, I was owned by this one and that one. I was playing on the national level, so I got pretty damn spoiled. So when one of these newbie doms comes up to me, I just fucking laugh. It's like, honey, I've been doing this shit longer than you've been alive. <laughs> you know, I doubt if you even have the intellectual aptitude to let me teach you where to bring me. It's like, you can't do that. I, you know, I, a matter of fact, I, you'd be surprised how many men come to my rope classes that I have to teach them game. Oh, I've They're seen They're hopeless that. at I've picking. Seen You've seen me do that. Yeah. Where I basically have had to teach them how to pick up women. Really? Yeah. Well, if, if anything, that in some cases how to act around women. Because mm-hmm. it's like, uh, she does uh, classes at Sanctuary LAX, uh, and she does classes at uh, Laird Assad. Mm-hmm. And so these are open to the adult public in general. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of couples that come in and it, it's great to see the regulars. Um, but I, I remember there was one night, there was a guy, he had been, he had been watching like kink.com and the videos. Yeah. And first thing he wanted to talk about was suspension. Now Cassie will do suspension, but it's, the thing is, is that this is doing a suspension bondage scene. Not only can it be very intensive, but it can also be very dangerous. Oh, like, absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's, a, you know, when you see something like kink.com uh, or one of these specialty bondage channels, you've rigged for some of these places. Oh, right? absolutely. Believe me, those scenes are not as long as they are in the film. They film little bits and just like a real movie, they edit that shit together. Well, yeah. 100%. You know, that, that really cool photo you see, you know, that looks impossible. Well, they probably photoshopped out some of the base ropes, and that's why you can't do that safely unless you're understanding the engineering of it and know to put the rope back in. And, you know, in some cases, there's a certain amount of time this takes to do right. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things that comes up, we, you know, this comes up in the classes. Um, have you had any back injuries? Do you have any back problems? Do you have any you know any joint problems medical problems i need to know oh i'm a nosy bitch i'm like do you have mental freakouts have you ever had a trigger it's like have you done this before have you just fantasized about it i need to know if you've done this real time if you haven't let me hear your impossible fantasy we're not going to do yeah do you have heart disease Uh well well actually in certain cases we do need to do that like for instance my current girlfriend has had three heart attacks And we've played at home and stuff, and sometimes she'll just can't catch her breath. And it's time to call the paramedics. Which, by the way, totally cool, cool dudes, man. (laughs) All they care about is taking care of the patient. And if we don't have to cart her off to the ER, and they're hanging around giving her breathing treatments, we start talking about shit, because they see the rope. 
and the whips and the knives and the floggers and they're like oh what's have up? any of them ever come back for classes actually yes because i always hand my cards to them because they always seem to know somebody who's into this shit that's awesome you know if it's not them then they know someone of their fellows or one of their wives girlfriends or something and i have had actual emt guys in my class and, and they're really cool because they actually approve of my choice of safety scissors which is emt shares because mm-hmm. they were designed for cutting in an emergency absolutely it's like you know have the best we go over that safety equipment you know it's like they're going well what do i need to do all this stuff i don't want to listen to you talk and i'm going well it's because people do stupid shit man you know we always seem to forget our bag of common sense well it's it's kind of like the warning labels we see on everything the longer we progress the more warning labels we need mm-hmm. and that's kind of what you know it's like i could i could easily well yeah 20 years ago it's like we were just glad to be in the classroom doing something mm-hmm. and now it's kind of like especially the bigger bdsm has become more things have happened more you know there's like now one of the things that's focused on is the aftercare it's like nobody gave a damn about aftercare in the 80s and early 90s well we also didn't realize some of the psychological ramifications and sub drop Mm -hmm. but also back then we weren't as you know how do i put this Namby Pamby, what a bunch of wussies, man. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's every little thing. I need a lawyer. Oh my God, I broke a nail. Oh my God, I'm gonna fucking sue you. You know how much this fucking manicure costs? Beverly Nana did it, and she's like, the business $3,000 and you broke my nail. It's like, really, bitch? It's a Why fucking fingernail. Why are you here if you're worried about that? Yeah, no shit. Yeah. And matter of fact, if I know you that that's the way you are, it's like, put that hand on the table, give him my fucking hammer. We are going to tenderize your fingers. <laughs> we are going to teach you a little humility. We are going to teach you about the evils of your pride. <laughs> After you sign this waiver. <laughs> So I'm here regarding your regarding your immortal soul. <laughs> Sold that a long time ago. Sorry, can't help you. <laughs> but you know, no. I mean, seriously, it's it's overkill on some of it. But I think in a lot of ways, it's actually needed because we know how it is to get caught up in the endorphins of a scene and yeah. to overlook a safety factor, thinking, "Oh, that rope will be fine." Oh, that's not really that blue. Are Mm, no, nah, that's not going to bleed, you know, and we, we sometimes don't make great choices, but with an education, we do. It's like, you know, I, I, I mean, I joke about people tying to ceiling fans and towel racks and stuff in their homes. But they There's, do. They oh, do. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I have to, you know, make a joke about it going, well, you know, that stuff is not designed for it. And neither is the two by four in your garage. If you look at any true suspension rig, it's at least a four by four. And that thing is still bolted through, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of people don't understand the engineering of what makes a good suspension um, point. Well, a lot of people just don't give, I, I'm assuming don't give thought to, hey, will that actually support my weight? They don't think about that. They're just caught up in the moment going, oh, that would be so cool. Like somebody um, 
back in the early 90s, um, had um, a hook hanging in his bedroom and had me tied up like this. It was fun. I saw him for way too long because he liked to tie me. Um, <laughs> you know, but we were fine. He was pretty good about watching and make sure that I didn't have, you know, that my toes actually had enough weight to balance on and stuff. Oh, I was on my tippy toes. That was half the fun. Uh-huh. Um, and then years later, when I started hanging out with a Shibari guy and he was asking about my experience, he says, Oh my God, you were so lucky you didn't pull your shoulders right out of the socket. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, man. Okay, I won't do that again. <laughs> but you know, um, because back then, this was pre internet, you know, we got our stuff from the adult bookstore and Backpage. We were looking at old John Willie and um, Betty Page stuff and trying to copy of what we were seeing there. Mm-hmm. And no, we didn't have a safety manual. You know, fortunately, this guy really liked me and wanted to keep tying me. So, he, you know, he if he saw me teetering in either direction, he immediately would just hang on to me. Um, but you know, I, I think about it now and it's like, yeah, you know, that's one of those things you hang your bicycle on. I have no idea if he actually screwed that into a board or not, or if we were just playing with drywall. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. That could have ended so poorly. Exactly. But it didn't. But it didn't. And, and it's a beautiful memory now. It mm-hmm. is. And, but we were lucky. Other people may not be so lucky, you know, if they accidentally tie to that thinking, well, it holds my bicycle. The, the funniest one I remember was there was a point where one of the few places where you could play uh, was you, you found a science fiction convention and there would be a kink element. And uh, so th- some cases it would be like, you know, you, some, someone would be doing the, the gauntlets for the SCA guys and then under the table would be doing the paddles and the floggers. And there was this one couple that was really hot and bothered and it's like, yeah, I couldn't wait. So they go running up to the hotel room and he ties her to the fire sprinkler <laughs> oh no oh no oh yeah oh my lord that's hilarious and we don't think about these things necessarily unless well it's like the education is what you have when you read the book education is what you get when you don't yes and so that's part of when when with some of these you know it's like well why do you go to the classes because you get to find out the mistakes we've already made you know and i i do i tell some hilarious stories because i've been there you know and i have listened to people justify why they wanted to do something and then watch them fall flat on their face you know when they didn't heed my advice yeah (laughs) seemed like a good idea at the time you know and you know and it's like, you know, believe it or not, I have a few years of experience. Oh, no, I know what I'm doing. Well, you know, at 18, we all know what the fuck we're doing. Oh, I thought I had the world by the short and curlies at 18. Like, oh, I'm going to be a dot-com millionaire. That obviously didn't pan out. No, I had one of my live-in subs, 19-year-old woman at the time, had a really bad, bad scar on her, on her chest because of a knife scene that went wrong because they didn't understand the layers of the epidermis. Ooh. Oh, you were talking you were asking about edge play. Yeah, getting yeah, back to edge to, play. We, we've been talking about some of the basics and you were asking about what is edge play. Well, for the audience. For I, the audience. I think I know but I I'll... Well, it refers to the the stuff that is more riskier. You know, things that involve body fluid, things like prim- primal blood play which I don't see a lot out here. But I, I've seen like in Arizona and stuff. And it's pretty scary stuff. It's people that, you know, basically do surface cuts with knives 
you know, and they roll and they fuck in the blood, which can be really hot. You know, you wouldn't think that you would be in it, but when you get that whiff of blood and your primal kicks in, something happens. It's amazing. But if you don't understand how to do the cuts, you can seriously hurt somebody. And plus, you know, if you're playing with somebody that really, really likes this stuff, it needs to be done just right. So throughout the week, when they go like this, it breaks them all open again. It's just a thing, you know, but you got to think about the sanitation that goes along with this. Are you fluid bonded with this partner? Have you both been tested for diseases? You know, did you um, make sure that the area was sanitized? You know, like I have the plans for a Dexter room that's made for blood play. It is actually made with PVC pipe and the whole thing is plastic in. So it creates a cube where if blood splatters, it stays within the cube. It's a Dexter room, just like on the program. But, you know, it's designed for the play. Unless you understand how to do that play correctly, I would not recommend it. It's like you need to take a class for that, especially on the sanitation portion, and don't ever do anything that opens somebody's skin without being fluid bonded first, which means that you've done your testing. You know if you've got blood-borne pathogens. You know if they've got sexually transmitted diseases and that you're going to take the proper precautions Barrier protection is your best friend. And even in vanilla dating, it's your best friend. Oh, 100%. Because, because you don't know if somebody's going to lie about their HIV condition. Oh, yeah. It's oh. like, you know, when I used to date in the vanilla world, like the third date, which is when you're supposed to, quote, have sex. Well, that was the date we went to the clinic for testing to see if we were going to be okay for sex. Oh, believe me. The one time I caught an STD was from a civilian that... We had an established thing about it and we weren't using protection. And hey, I got burned. Mm-hmm. It happens. It happens. And it happens with people you supposedly trust. Exactly. I you know, know, and sometimes it's, you know, people don't want to admit they might have somebody. I know somebody in our community that has um, herpes and has blamed it on everybody else and refuses to get tested. And we all know he has it. So when people ask me about him, I have to disclose that information to him because I know he's not going to and advise them to use a condom, you know, because it can be prevented with barrier protection. And there's nothing well, wrong with that, too. That's exactly. what gets me so weird about some of this. That's, uh, I, you know, I come from the Bay Area in the 90s where the thing was, was uh, we were talking before the before the show. It was like with the link space up there and such. It was like you could do... Up in the Bay Area, that, coming down to porn really just blew my mind in that I, up in the Bay Area, you could have somebody tied up, doing fisting, play piercings, you know, just, you know, as long as there were rubber gloves, uh, dental dams, and you had, they, they, they would often give you as much saran wrap as you wanted. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The conventions I've done across the uh, country, and they set up that makeshift dungeon in the grand ballroom, and their uh, stations are amazing. Their first aid and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't realize that there was such a kibosh on edge play because all these conventions we are all doing that that's where i learned fire play that's where i learned knife play mm-hmm. and um i get to la and also and there's 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 a lot of places that have restrictions for that some for very good reasons you know one you know fire play in and of itself is fairly easy to learn 
but understanding fire, maybe not so much. People don't understand how fire works, that dipping your torch in here and doing this great thing, if you didn't make sure that the alcohol was not dripping from that torch, realizing that if it drips on the carpet, the carpet is going to catch on fire too, that you could catch the whole building on fire. You know, there are like certain precautions. I worked in the hospitals for years and two weeks of safety training every year. And because patients do stupid things like smoke in their wheelchairs, we had to learn how to put people out. So I actually had learned a lot about fire working at the hospital, learning how to put people out if they light their laps on fire. What is the best way to put a person out? Uh, suffocation. Um, basically, you suffocate you, the you fire. You choke them to death? I mean, Oh, God, no. Breath play <laughs> is another form of edge play. <laughs> Very, very dangerous. <laughs> but no, if there's no oxygen, the fire can't cannot consume the oxygen and make a flame. So if somebody has lit their their lap on fire, you take a blanket and you snuff out the fire, just like you would, you know, for a grease fire or something like. You take the pot and you you suffocate it. I just generally bury it in flour. That too. That's I just had a funny vision of you throwing you know, flour on someone in a wheelchair. But do but. you know that flour is flammable? <laughs> That's one hell of a fetish. If you throw the flour up in the air and do a lighter, it will sparkle just like fireworks. Well, I know what I'm doing later tonight. <laughs> Going up to the roof, bag of flour. We're going to film it. That? It's going to be great. It is really trippy. <laughs> but get yeah. A air, get a little canned air on that too. Oh, well, then get the flamethrower going? Yeah. Any kind of airborne powder like that where it may not be flammable if it's all in a clump, but once it becomes airborne and it has all that air in between the oh, molecules. Oh, creamer, yeah. And exactly. And then you add the oxygen in between all those now powder molecules. Uh-huh. You add the fire to that and it's going to go zip, 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 zip. So I feel like we need to pause the show for a little while just to play with flammable... (laughs) Well, I could use a refresher on my coffee. We can really pause if you want a refresher on the coffee. Yes, that would be fabulous. Awesome. So we took a quick break. We need more ice, more alcohol, Mm -hmm. the important things in life. Oh, that reminds me. The mistress needed a little nicotine. These are all very super important things. Well, they are. We all have our vices. We have to, you know, fulfill them a little bit. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Just a little. Just, just a, little. a little bit. But actually, speaking of vices, mm, um, I have a strict rule about before I play with people, I will not play with anybody under the influence of drugs or alcohol. Um, or even sometimes prescription medication if it affects, you know, their ability to be able to feel sensation in their body or the ability to make a good judgment. Uh, my most important thing with BDSM is that people be able to communicate with me while we're playing. I, you know, if I notice something going on, like, you know, maybe they're shaking or, you know, I don't think their breathing's right, I'm going to check in with them during the scene and make sure they're okay. Now, if they're under the influence of something, they may not be able to communicate to me effectively. They may also not be able to communicate to me that, Mistress, you hit me too hard. Or, oh my God, that's in a bad place. Or, oh, I'm starting to feel dizzy. Or, you know. Or they might not even realize it. They don't. They start getting high from the endorphins and they're already high off of something. They can't tell me. You know, next thing you know, somebody's passed out on the floor and you're going, fuck. Fuck, now i got to call those EMTs again. <sighs> you know, and I actually, um, I've been a, a pro-dom for 10 years. 
And one of my clients, we were playing at one of our parties and um, we had a great scene. I suspended him. You know, this guy is rather much bigger than I am. You know, he's about 6'6". And um, so that's a lot of men to, to bat around. But, mm-hmm. oh, he says, thank you, Mr. So Good. You know, um, it's such a pleasure to just torture the hell out of him. Um, but after our scene and everything, I get him untied. I get him sitting on a chair. I'm like, you doing okay, everything, big guy? He's like, oh, yeah, the scene was great. I said, just keep sitting there. I'm going to get you some water. I turn around to grab the water. And in that two seconds, he passed out. Wow. Not only did he fall off the chair, and I had him leaning against a wall, head first into the base of the suspension frame, which was wrought iron, and split his head open. <gasps> um, I immediately jump in with first aid and everything. I'm you know, CPR certified, first aid certified. I take my jobs very seriously and got the bleeding under control and everything. I took care of him, got him revived, and I'm like, big dude, what's going on? He says, mistress. He said, I didn't want to tell you, but I was smoking pot in my car before I came in. I'm going, you fucking doofus. You're never to do that again before we play. (laughs) But yeah, it just that, and and he's been playing for years. But, you know, whatever, whatever we took out of him during the scene and smoking the pot, which also lowers blood sugar, Mm -hmm. his blood sugar dropped enough that he passed out. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. And I feel like it's part of the California mindset to just not even think of pot as a drug. But it is. Oh, 100%. It is a mood-altering substance, but it's so commonplace in L.A. that people are just like, what? Yeah, but a lot of people, you know, yeah, it is fun to smoke, but they don't understand the effects of it. I am the last person to say, oh, my God, don't smoke pot. Oh, my God, I've been smoking since I was was, was 14. You know, I can I can smoke Snoop Dogg under the table. I guarantee it. But you should right make that place. happen, Jay. You should make that happen at Sanctuary. You should get Snoop Dogg there. And have them. Have well, a there's off. a problem. Zero drug tolerance at Sanctuary. There's a time and a place. Is the bottom line. Well, then it's Snoop like- Dogg can provide the menu. Absolutely. Challenge down, dude. I will kick your ass with smoke. <laughs> And then I will kick your ass when we're done. Like, well, no, we'll have to wait until you get sober. Let me kick your ass first, and then we'll get fucking wasted, man. <laughs> I don't think Snoop gets sober, Does so you need yeah, yeah, like a month to dry him out. <laughs> oh, my God. We might have to do sensation play with him then. Mm. Ooh. See, people have this misconception that BDSM is all play. Pain. It is pain and pleasure. There is sensation playing. I love doing sensory deprivation, mm-hmm. you know, where you blind somebody and maybe oh, an take art. away, you know, their mouth or their hearing. I don't like to take away their hearing because I like to set the scene with my voice and I like to tell them a story of where we're at and um, how we are in this beautiful room with concrete walls and they are three feet sick. And I'm so sorry, but nobody can hear you scream. And um, my friend in the other room is um, taking his uh, strap and his blade. And you can hear him going, shh, 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 shh. Now, if you do not do what I tell you to do and exactly how 
I tell you to do it. I'm going to take that blade and cut your fucking throat. Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> She's good. Isn't she? I'd expect so after, you know, this many years in the profession. <laughs> I'm also an actor. <laughs> ah, isn't everyone in this town? I know. That's how I came to this town was because um, of the, the recession hit, you know. And I couldn't find work in San Diego, so I started coming up to acting jobs in L.A. And then I ran into that film producer, and next thing I know, I'm doing this and everything. And then, you know, I hooked up into BDSM at the same time. I got a shit ton of spanking videos out there. <laughs> so what made you make the change from being a sub to being a dominant? Well... I think it has to do with um, when I was released from one of my DS relationships and I was well known within the community and these people had watched my Dom do just horrible things to me. I mean, he would just punch my stomach, you know, with no warning and, and just toss me around and do stuff. Fortunately, I've got super strong abs and I, you know, how to, you know, protect myself. Thankfully, you didn't go out like Houdini. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, so people were used to seeing me take really, really heavy play with no warm up. And so when I was released and I went to my first event by myself and they found out who I was and that this was the first time ever I had been a sub on my own. All of a sudden I was fresh meat. I found my dom really quick that night and did my first public suspension. It was fabulous. And um, basically, um, I've been doing that ever since. Yeah. Uh, it's like I really have to trust somebody before I will submit like that. Um, they have to be at a different level with me. The person that I'm with now, uh, you remember the Gregorian play? And, no. you know, the mind stuff they used to do in the 90s. Oh, you mean like the, uh, wait a minute, I'm thinking the chant stuff. That but, too, but, but you know, it's, it's, it's actually, a, it's a they play, stuff, it's right? in the mind, it can really fuck you up. He actually knows that stuff. He is so old school that I know no matter what we do, he can bring me back because mm-hmm. he's been there. He's experienced. He has lived it. He's been in this lifestyle as long as I have. You know, that means the world to me. I don't want to play with anybody that's just like, oh, that looked cool. Let me try that. No, you're not doing that on me. I am 58 years old. You know, uh-uh. No, I, I, I want to live to see, you know, 98 and still be kicking your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not break the dom. I've got some really killer skills over the years. You know, and it's it's partly because of what I, over the years, when I was a submissive, you know, receiving good and bad play, that I know what it feels like, and I know what brings you where, you know, and um, I know what you can do with the mind, and I know what, you know, afterwards, and what you may need to do recover about it, and I know what a psychotic break is. I actually had that happen to me one time. In a class, my you know we we were screwing around in a rope class at Shibari Khan, uh-huh. and um, we were a little bored. So my non thought he start trying tying me up and doing different shit with rope, and decided to do a rope blindfold on me. We didn't think anything of it, except that it compressed my eyeballs back into my socket. Ooh. Um, 
When I was 19 years old, I lived with a man that used to beat me unconsensually. And I oftentimes he would wake me up in the morning by pressing my eyeballs into their sockets. Oh, so it's a trigger too. And so, yeah, it triggered me and I couldn't stop crying and I couldn't stop crying. And I mean, for 24 hours and I'm finally, sir, you're going to have to beat me out of that because I didn't know what to do with me. And when I was a little girl... You know, basically, I got spanked a lot, and, you know, it was like, you know, stop crying, I'll give you something to cry about, so you had to stop crying if you got hit, so actually hitting me brought me out of the crying, because of the way I'd been conditioned as a kid with spanking. Ooh, wow. Yeah. And that, I have to admit, one of the things with BDSM is that, in some cases, like, I mean, for... The first 10 years or so of me being a sub, I, I, would, I would not do spanking at all. That was, that was actually a hard limit mm-hmm. because of how I was raised as a child. Um, and that w- the, 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 the thing about it is there are people that use BDSM as a form of therapy. Oh, in a absolutely. Way to grow out of some of the things that we're afraid of. Um, I'm much more comfortable with it. Uh, I've been more comfortable with it for about 10 years now, but it's, you know, that's one of the cool things about this is, um, as a submissive and such, there's room for growth. And one of the things I'll see is where, you know, it's like, someone's like, they think that they think they want to be a sub. They think that they're only going to be a sub. And it's like, the scene doesn't necessarily work like that in that... No, I've seen people that, you know, they switched, they became a dominant, and then they went back to being a switch because they missed the submission part of it. Yeah, it's play. It is. And what people don't realize as a dominant... You're in charge. It's like you don't get to let go and float in top space because you are responsible for this life that are, you are doing different physical sensations for that could or could not bring them in different directions. You have to be aware of their vital signs and watching them. It's like, you know, it's like I joke about being pervy, you know, and saying, well, first of all, when I bring people into me, I'm establishing intimate connection which is what we're all looking for. In addition to that, I'm feeling what their heart rate's like. I'm feeling what their body temperature is like. I'm feeling if they naturally have a little shake to them or if they're steady. It's like I'm getting a feel for their vital signs, Mm -hmm. you know, and that all feeds into the scene because as the top, sometimes I'm going to have to call that scene because they don't know they're going into shock. They don't realize that they've suddenly turned to gray white. And even though they think that they're going, oh, I'm flying, they're actually on the verge of fainting because that's what the verge of fainting is like. And that's, that, that's what we look out for. And, you know, there's, I've heard, I've heard uh, comparisons made with music. You know, it's like, you know, there's like using an instrument. And it's mm-hmm. like you get, you get, there's a feel that comes up with that. And that's also one of the reasons why, like with subs, it's like they'll have played for so long that they, they know what it feels like. They know what they're going through and so on. And it's like, they see somebody and it's like, Ooh, can I do that to them? They look cute. I want to try, you know, they've been, a, you know, it's like they, they've had submissive tendencies all their life. And then suddenly it's like, 
they they see a new toy. It's like, wait a minute, I want to try. Well, I've had this tried on me. I want to try that on somebody. Have you ever seen a room full of submissives? Yes. <laughs> and a room full of doms. Now, what will happen in a room full of submissives is they'll start hitting each other and stuff and spanking each other and going, oh, and I had this done. How do you think this feels? And they'll start just doing terrible things to each totally other. bratty, too. And then the doms will be all in the other room and they won't be doing a thing. And then there was this time when I beat this one dude. Matter of fact, I nailed his nuts to a sawhorse. It was an exquisite scene. You should have been there. <laughs> So, one thing before we go any further that I don't know if you're aware of or not. My mother was a lifestyle dom for a number of years. No, I did not know that. Yeah. Like, when I was in high school, she had a rack set up in her living room. Oh, my goodness. Nice. And I ended up super vanilla, so I don't know how that happened, but... Well, we see generational BDSM. And um, I've actually talked to parents where they're actually taking bets on whether their child's going to be a submissive or dominant. And I've actually seen it where, you know, the kids knew their parents and they're just like, we don't want anything of what our parents are doing. And then other ones where they tell tales of, you know, they had a a spanking horse in the living room and the kids just thought it was like, you know, a rocking horse to play on. (laughs) And they would crawl all over it, do all sorts of stuff and had no clue what it was really for. Well, I... Are you rebelling? (laughs) Maybe I'm I'm the rebellious child. You may be. My mother discovered it later in life, like post my parents' divorce, because my Mm -hmm. father definitely freaked out about it. Of course. And he's like, she wasn't like that when we were together. (laughs) And my mom listens to this too, by the way. So, hi, mom. We like your son. (laughs) Aw. But I remember I was in high school. She had the rack set up in her living room, and my cousins were coming over. And she's like, she threw a sheet over it. She's like, just don't tell them what that is. <laughs> we had the biggest group down here at one point was Threshold. It was like, if you were, if you, if you were looking to play, it was like there was Threshold, uh, Proscenium, which was over in Porn Valley. That strangely, oh gosh, I could go into stories on that. It's, that, that was where Stuart from uh, Smash Pictures had... Oh no, that was next door to Smash Pictures over in Chatsworth. And Threshold, unlike that, was... The, the largest group, Threshold, was transient in that like, we, we had like orientation over at Highways in Santa Monica. We do play parties either at porn studios or at nightclubs. Like mm-hmm. the the big one I remember was at Moguls, bef- the like two nights before they shut the whole place down. Um, but the oh goodness, I had a I had a wonderful point to make about this. Oh gosh, and it's just oh yeah. So how do you explain? That when you're, because the thing is, is that yeah, we we don't ha- we didn't have a clubhouse back then, but we've got like a giant moving truck filled with sawhorses, <laughs> X frames, cages. Um, so it's like, and we've got to move all this into moguls off Sunset in Hollywood, and people are looking at bringing this medieval style and. <laughs> By the way, there's a lot of crossover between BDSM and the Renaissance people. (laughs) I know. I went to the Torture Museum in Amsterdam. I'm like, that looks like a lot of play stuff. (laughs) 
and and this is at a time like would people figure out to make this out of balsa wood i mean we're it, it's obvious we're moving this stuff this is before we went to iron and steel mm-hmm. which is stronger but in some cases it's it it's lighter in some ways heavier than others but in this case no we're dealing with with like heavy two two by twos four by four type materials heavy woods and it's like well what what are you guys doing what is it's we're sh- we're doing a shoot this is actually for our drama group it's all right we're, it's it's a it's a production we're just it's acting group but uh, you know life theater and it's like that was how <laughs> oh you why didn't you say so all right uh, yeah well, well it'll be on tv next week don't worry about it it's <laughs> Aww. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, nobody thought twice about it. It's just, oh, yeah, it's part of a drama thing. Yeah. <laughs> Acting. Acting. You can yes. get away with almost anything in LA saying, oh, yeah, it's for a movie. Well, I consulted on American Horror Story over the summer. Awesome. For a cult. That's I'm the one that awesome. did the bondage. Ooh. Woo. Yeah, how about that? You didn't tell me. Dang. I know. And I've decided as an actor, I would prefer a film because TV is fucking crazy, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I've always done film before and it's like much slower pace. Oh, yeah. They're going to knock out those TV shows. Just boom, 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 It was boom. amazing to watch him work. Absolutely amazing. It was a great experience, but fucking crazy. Now, television's a crazy medium. Unless you're on HBO and you have something super high mm-hmm. budget like Game of Thrones, we're like, yeah, just take your time and make it right. Yeah. Re- regular network television, they're like, no, no, no. This has, the season premiere is coming out. You have X amount of episodes that you have to turn out before the season ends. Get it done. We don't care how. Yeah, takes good enough. Let's go. <laughs> Absolutely. Speaking of actors and celebrities, what celebrity would you like to play with if you could? Hmm. Marriott Hartley. I had a thing for Sigourney Weaver, and this was before she did Aliens. Oh. oh. See, I had this thing about Marriott Hartley, because in seventh grade, she did this movie, I think it was called Genesis, and they had her in a fur bikini, and she had a double belly button. It was like the fucking hottest thing ever. <laughs> <gasps> oh, until this day. It's like every time I saw her on those commercials with James Gardner, I'm just like, oh, God, I want to do her. I want to do her. <laughs> yeah, is it subbing to her or topping her? I don't care. Okay. <laughs> just game on. <laughs> just game on. It's like, I just want to get naked with you, baby. Just the blind lust. and mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're going to use flesh tools. <laughs> I, I've i got a big soft spot for Allison Hannigan, but I have a thing for redheads and, and anime mm. eyes. How can you not? Yeah. So Sigourney, um, what was the thing that you saw her in before Aliens? It, it, of all things, it was, a, it was a commercial. I think she did a movie with Michael Caine, and I had been watching the previews as a child, and she just had this 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 strength about her, and you know, just watching. And then Aliens came after uh-huh. that, and female on a strong lead, setting a good example. I liked it. I did. Yeah. It. And, you know, I went for the fluffy stuff because my next crush was Susan Sarandon because of Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> <laughs> so is the movie uh, Half Moon Street? 
Might have been, <gasps> yeah. Wow. I think I think it was one of those, you know, older man doesn't quite know, you know, the, is the crisis. That, is this the movie? I think it might be, yeah. Mm. And and Sigourney, I think I at the time I didn't understand what it was, but oh, I think she yummy. was like a call girl or something like that. And it's of course he's yep. having the affair and he doesn't know how to handle it and such and there's just something about the smoking passion that Sigourney mm. had in the in the in the ads in the trail. Of course, I, you know it's like in my teens, I can't actually see the movie. Conservative parents. That oh my sort of thing. god, the adolescent hormones on top of the imagination, on top of whatever media you could get. You poor little thing. I bet your little wiener was just going bong. Uh, that was more of a mind thing at that time. You think the, so? The the one actually, in terms of impressions and such, that I I I definitely know there was a link was I I being even though I'm a child of the '80s, I'm an anime kid. You know, grew mm-hmm. up with Robotech, but more importantly, uh, Captain Harlock and Rishi Matsumoto. There, there, the the. The opponent was the Maison, a race of mercenary, mercenary plant-based women, uh, all dressed up in these. It, it, they look. It looked like rubber, you know. Even though mm. it was animated, you know, all these. You know, it's like they've got garters and corsets, and, and you know, it's making heels. me think of Men in the Black. Two, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> she's like you know Serena, and she's that big thing, and then she changes into the sexy lingerie model. Yeah, and and and, and so I mean, uh, and, but with in this case with color. Oh, I mean, you know, pinks and greens and and blues for the for the and and all the women have this slight greenish plant tinge to them. Oh, that's interesting. Well, you know, the green slave girl from Star Trek is immortalized. Oh, yeah. You know, there's just something that is so sexy about a sexy woman with just unreal color skin. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about exotic. We don't have nothing like that on Earth. Hey, we have no idea if her genitals are even work you know, with ours. Who knows? I know. And how fun to explore. Kirk was all about that life. He's like... Yes. It's I like, got- Kirk, step aside. <laughs> <laughs> Kirk's like, I don't care what you got down there. I'm going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Picard was such a prude compared to Kirk. Oh, he was. He was. Riker made up for it, though. Yeah, he, he did. did. And Picard also had that tension, kind of like kind of like uh, Spock did. You know, it's like, you know, wound up deep inside. And you could see it on occasion. He just... <laughs> He, he was just dying to let it go at the right place. <laughs> yeah, but you have to look at when the um, series were made. And I actually like James Kirk the most uh, in the 60s because he still had that male chauvinist attitude that I grew up with, you know, and where, you know, the woman stayed at home and the man worked and blah, blah, blah. And that, you know, that mentality, well, 1950s housewife, mm-hmm. you know, that kink. You know, so I will still to this day think he is the sexiest because I feel that vibing from the show where they became way too PC later on. Way too PC. And on top of that, Kirk is the first interracial kiss on air. Exactly. Exactly. Really? Denise talks about that. Yeah. Wow. She talks about that all the time. It's a huge deal. She At the time, she didn't think so. You know, but it has gone down as a big thing in history. Well, they may have thought so, but I'm sure conservative parts of America were like, oh, 
Oh, yeah. Holy when shit. they talk about what they went through to make that happen mm-hmm. and what they were worried about, and they were worried about losing sponsors and all sorts of things, you know, just from the kiss alone, let alone that it was interracial and and different things like that. It was, you know, of course, they, they were known for being in kind of the forefront. One thing in the future. Yeah, and what I really liked about them is they were addressing the issues in the 60s and stuff where, you know, you look back and you see the message where the message kind of, it got changed a little in the future episodes. It became a little too formula for me and it didn't have as much current application as it did when I was watching the original Star Trek in the 60s. And I think that was kind of the point. It's like they... Try, you know, the point was to kind of bring up, you know, social issues and kind of make changes. Mm-hmm. They wanted to fit with the times, with the revolution, the sexual revolution that was taking place. Yeah, yeah. And Gene Roddenberry had his vision of a, you know, utopia future. Mm-hmm. And the Federation was it. Mm-hmm. And also a lot of, you know, alien boning. Yes, yes. A lot of kinky God people are into, this, <laughs> are into Star Trek. Our Star Wars, I mean, they're on both sides. It's like we had, what, the Star Wars night, and I've never known that there were so many lightsabers in this world. Everybody (laughs) at the party had one, and they had all these different kinds. Some of them were amazing, and some of them were classable. Some of them lit up. Some of them were BDSMized and had, like, you know, different little... uh, (laughs) <laughs> oh, there's a huge geek streak. Yes, geek streak in BDSM right now, and it's wonderful. I love it. Tell me, someone had a lightsaber violet wand. Yes, that's awesome. That is fucking <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yes, that goes without saying. I just had to ask. I had to ask. No. Which, by the way, violet wand is considered edge play. Okay. Well, because of the health issues, if somebody's got a heart condition, they can't do electric play. So that's something that's really important to realize. Somebody has a heart murmur, they have a heart condition, they have a pacemaker. If they've got a pacemaker, they can't even be in the same room. We had one of the women on staff at Sanctuary where she had a pacemaker. And anytime we had to do a session with a client with the violent wand or the TENS unit or anything electrical, she had to be several rooms away because it would affect her pacemaker. Holy shit, I didn't realize they were that powerful. Yes, they are. It's it. I th- I'm wondering if there's an electromag. Uh, uh, I wonder if there's a uh, microwave energy on that because what I've heard part of it is it's like a radio, uh, a radio level uh, frequency or yeah yeah because hmm. it's like I've 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 heard the descriptions of static. I've heard because part of it is the electricity is traveling mm-hmm. over your skin. It's not supposed to be penetrating below. But it's still, you're still playing We're with conductive. high voltage. We're yeah. conductive. Yeah. And then yep. it sends too much juice to the pacemaker and causes a problem. Okay. Gotcha. It's got enough, because it's, it's well, voltage and amperage we that kill you. We have enough yeah. natural electricity in our bodies where if your key fob for your car is going out, if you put it under your chin and press it, it will work. Oh, yeah, <laughs> hack my life. <laughs> We're all copper tops in the in the big picture. Ugh, are we in the matrix right now? Oh, I no. know, man. Do you want the red pill or the blue pill? Both. Ooh, let's party. <laughs> what happens if you just? What would have happened? If Neil was just like, oh, what now? <laughs> 
No, I I was originally introduced to Violet Wands by my mother. She used to collect antique Violet Wands. Oh wow! Yeah, I don't know what ended up happening to those. I think she sold them off eventually. But oh, she... I had an ex mother in law that used to collect chastity belts. She had some amazing chastity belts. One had three inch spikes on it. Ooh! I was like, oh my god, you couldn't even get the key in there to unlock it, let alone a penis. Holy shit! Oh, it was a beautiful piece of work. She had them all displayed on her wall and everything. That's wild. That's I know. And she was like, you know, just a sweet little old Italian lady. I, used to I, love go antique hunting. I'm know? just curious how she got into that. Because, like, my mother collecting antique violet wands, like, those were practical. She used them. Mm-hmm. The chastity belts? Did she actively use them at one point? Like, I never asked her. I can see the thing is with like well with violet wands that was uh, an antique medical oddity. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were actually being used for medical purposes. Well, yeah, to treat hysteria and different things. They yeah. they didn't quite understand how women's bodies worked, and they would actually stick an electric device in the vagina to stimulate different things. Oof. You know, I mean, so if you actually listen to like you know these these like uh, mysteries at the museum, I love that stuff. And they go over the old equipment and what they used to do, and how people were classified. Did you know BDSM was classified as a mental illness until the mid nineties? 90s before they took it out of the dsm I'm surprised honestly with how parts of america are right now i'm surprised it still isn't well anyways now therapists actually recognize it and they know that some people process things different and we do i i get people that show up in class and say my therapist sent me here you know, to help me learn about that. She thinks it'll be helpful for me. And it's just because the, the normal process of the mental letting it go, they they actually need some behavioral modification with physical stimulation to change the patterns. They have to not only change the mental problem, they also need to re-educate the muscle memory and stuff in the body. And that's a lot of what we do in BDSM. Like, for instance, spanking. Um, you know, you don't ever just wall up somebody right off. You start warming up with taps and different things, and then you'll see people start rubbing them and running their fingers over it. What they're doing is confusing the, the central nervous system. When you get smacked, it hurts. Your first instinct is to rub it. That's what happens is that confuses your central nervous system and takes the pain away because it confuses it with the pleasure that just dissipates the pain. Now, you're training somebody for spanking, right? And so you do this, and so every time they get a little bit of pain and then you add pleasure and you keep building it up pretty soon, you don't have to play nice because they're going to automatically associate a pleasure feeling with the pain. Hmm. And that's also why in some cases, like you've, after you've done, you know, someone, there's a, oh goodness, one of the Lady Green books was talking about how there was someone that was absolutely paranoid about caning. And one of the tops was talking with this person. It's like, tell you what, just work with me here. Anytime you don't want to do this or you want to stop, say it. But let me try and take you there. And started with the warm up started you know working with the sensations and towards the end was like i mean at that point it was really 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 getting hard mm-hmm. and with with a cane 
with a spank, you've got a, a fairly broad surface area mm-hmm. going on. Caning, what's funny is like every once in a while someone will be reading the books and just kind of imagining what it feels like. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like what it what it says. In the, it's a very, very focused energy when you're doing when especially when you're going full in well and a lot of people think that caning is just that hard hit it is not you could actually do soft caning and sensual caning that will stimulate the whole body and and in this case she had warmed up and been you know by by the after a little while it was like the they wanted more. Mm-hmm. They want, you know. It's like they, they, they were, they were at the point where they were warmed up, and they, it, they were ready to take. And and it was a, it was a very intense scene, and. But yeah, if you're warmed high. up, it's totally different. Because I used to get punished with cane strokes if I did something wrong. No warm up. Oh. And I would have basically zebra stripes horizontal up my body from the ankle up to just below my shoulders and each was a hard hit calf mid calf just above the knee mid thigh ass just you know mid ass top ass then the back muscles and i would have a stripe all the way up front and back that fucking hurts man no warm-up because Mm -hmm. it was meant to hurt where i play with people and we do the to potent and stuff and get them warmed up and do little taps here and there and then an occasion a little stingy one but then at that point it's just like oh you know but the the sting isn't as intense where the hard hit like that and also having fibromyalgia i would be in pain for hours just hours you know because nobody warmed up my nervous system and and in the case of the sub on this it's like by the time they were ending it just soaring she was like i've never had an experience you know that was awesome yeah it's amazing if they bring you through the right way and guide you on the journey like that i bet that was amazing to watch as much as it was to feel yeah 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 when you watch somebody that really understands how to use canes it's poetry in motion i used to love watching um one of the mistresses that we had at the dungeon a long time ago used to teach caning classes and she used to teach it to music. And basically it was learning to drum people's bodies with the canes because she would have, everybody would be laying out um, prone and, you know, you would just work the canes up and down the body, basically playing like a, a xylophone, you know, without the really hard hits, but you might build up to some of that. The black and, and blue man group. <laughs> yeah. And people a lot less splatter, hopefully. would so get into the rhythm of it and everything that, you know, these people almost couldn't walk when they got off the tables. They were so high from the rhythm of the music, the rhythm of the beating, mm-hmm. and what it did to stimulate their nervous system and everything. Amazing. Much better than cats. Would definitely go yeah. to see that yeah. again and again. <laughs> the rhythm of the beating. The rhythm of the beating. Mm-hmm. Nice. So what is a cane temp- typically made out of? Rattan. Okay. You know, that there are many different kinds of canes out there. I know that my favorites were always different kinds of bamboo. But I also had a very, very heavy bottom. He was a very big young man. And I could hit this man with a baseball cat bat and he would just go (laughs) (laughs) you know he'd also do anything for me that man ate ate night crawlers for me he ate a madagascar cockroach for me 
No. No? Just a good boy. Just a really good boy. <laughs> Amazing. You don't you rarely find a submissive like that that is just like, yes, I will do anything you desire. I'm like, this is cool, because I got a fear factor fact class that involves some really sick shit, man. And you're not going to win $50,000. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, what we did, I made a body mesh bag. I made a body bag, but I made it out of mesh so that you could see through it. And um, basically, we got girls to volunteer, and um, we put a dental spreader in, put them in the bag, and then poured in Madagascar cockroaches. <laughs> Those are the big ones, aren't they? They hiss. Uh, they the, hiss. I know, because I was the cockroach wrangler. Don't tell the hotel that I had them shipped there. Whoops. <laughs> I won't tell you which convention it is, so figure it out. Ha, ha, ha. Well, speaking of conventions and such. Um, yeah. Can you explain for us uh, what class, what your classes are like over at Sanctuary and layer decide, and what people can expect when they uh, do DomCon. She's doing his publicist job. I know, isn't Chill, he good? Chill. Okay, well, let me start out with some websites so that you you all can do your own rep, your research. I believe in perverting yourself. So, first of all, start out with my personal website, which is MissCassieLovesRope.com. Should be very easy to remember. Miss, M-I-S-S, Cassie is C-A-S-S-I-E, loves rope. I'm a rope freak. It should be very easy to remember. I teach six to eight rope classes a month here in L.A. I teach every Wednesday at the Laredy Sod up in North Hollywood from 8 to 10, and second and fourth Saturdays at Sanctuary Studios LAX down by the airport from 12 to 2. Now, um... I teach at all experience levels. I do get a lot of people that are fairly new to the scene, so I do need to go back to basics and go over a lot of safety and things. Do you have a 101 course and a 201 course? Well, you know, I used to do courses until I realized that people in L.A. really have trouble committing to things. (laughs) You don't say, people flake in this town? Never. Never. Well, you know, it's like I commit to this class, but it's a series, and it's like the first two I make it to, and by the third one, I'm like, oh, fuck, I just want to sleep in. God damn it. So I've been doing this long enough where I can adapt the class that day to whoever shows up. If I've got all beginners... We do a beginner course. If I've got a mix of students, I do something for the advanced kids, and then I sit down and do something for the beginning kids and tell them, you guys can gravitate towards whatever tie you want. This is about you learning rope. So basically, I help them discover their rope artists, and you know, and they get a chance to play with more experienced people in the class. Part of my teaching method is very much peer-to-peer, As people become more advanced in my classes, part of their training is teaching beginning stuff to new students. So I find once they start teaching some stuff, even something as basic as a cuff, something clicks in their head. It makes them a thousand percent better in their rigging. So it's like, yeah, people ask me all the time if I got a curriculum. Yeah, I used to do that. I used to do handouts and everything. And realize that you guys were just throwing the handouts in the trash. And, um, you know, you'd go and ask me the same question in the next class because you forgot everything because you didn't go home and practice. 
So I felt it was always better to say, my classes are always student choice, new or review. It's what you want to learn and what skill level you want to take it to. If you're really serious about this shit, I'm going to give you homework. Awesome. And awesome. I, I've seen a couple of classes where uh, someone has come in, like there was, there was a regular that was like, I really want to be suspended. We've talked about this. And I, th- you know, it may have been the same day with that one mm-hmm. guy. But the thing was, is she was like, you know, you know, it's like she had been doing the classes mm-hmm. and it was like, tell you what, we're going to do some basics. And when we go to the end, we're going to suspend you. And, and it was great. And so we can kind of, uh, I've been a student in some of the classes. Um, one of the problems I have is, keeping up on the rope, keeping the practice, because it's a very hands-on kind of thing. Um, so when I come in, it's kind of like, uh, you know, I let me try this again. Let <laughs> me get my hands on the rope again. Let me try doing this, that, and the other. But there's a, yeah, if you're, if you're new and you're falling behind, it's still good because you can come in and catch up. Whereas, you know, if, it, if, if it's strictly an advanced class, you may not be getting that practice that you kind of need. Well, and also, you might be missing a step that you really need to do that advanced tie right. Yeah. So it's like I, I do pay attention, and I try to pair people up. Sometimes I pair less experienced people with more experienced people and say, you know what, you're going to be a menage a trois today, and you're going to share and teach each other. And it works out fabulous you know, they don't get intimidated by having to ask the teacher something. Because I've been told for some reason I can be intimidating. I don't well, know why. I mean, there's something scary about asking in front of the whole class, too. Well, that's true. Especially if you're submissive, I could imagine. Just being like, hi, uh, I don't quite get this. Could be kind of intimidating. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's why I keep my classes so casual. You know, you will not see a chair in my class. We all sit around in the in a, uh, in a circle. A lot of times, I but go. But what if I want to tie someone to a chair? Well, if we're going to do the chair chair class, then I I actually teach a a, a bond, chair bondage class. It's capture and escape. And how I do this class, if I'm specifically teaching it, is I go, okay, I need three volunteers from the audience that want to be tied. Okay, each one of you is to go around this facility, and each one of you picks out a different chair. And you're to bring it in this room. And um, it doesn't matter what chair that they bring to me, I can tie somebody to that inescapably. And we learn all about the engineering of chair tying. Like if you've got this big fluffy thing, well, you got to think about the fact that they can rock it and maybe knock it off of the, uh, the foot of the chair. So what are you going to do to secure that in a way that they can't rock that chair and do that? You know, and then of course... You know, it's, we we got to provide all sorts of fun stuff like crotch ropes and different things. So if they move in the wrong way, they get stimulation. Or my favorite thing to do is to rig a crotch rope to the door handle. So every time somebody goes in and out, Woo! they get a... Yes! <laughs> Woo! Interactive. Interactive bondage. Awesome. That's absolutely awesome. I'm curious. Do you teach people how to tie a damsel to train tracks? Yes. I don't have any train tacks, but why I not? Well, nobody's got them in the dungeon yet, but I've tied them to just about everything else. Someone needs to correct this. We need a piano at Sanctuary LAX. 
We've got a full DJ thing going. Well, I'm, I'm sure you can get an MP3 of it if need be. Well, we it's could. Kind of well, I mean, I've got a Casio keyboard. I mean, we just have to get somebody to play it. There we go. Yeah. Someone with a big mustache and a top hat. Yes. Well, a matter of fact, that's one of the things that inspired me as a kid was watching Dudley do right. I wanted to be Snidely. I still wanted to be a woman, but I wanted to be Snidely Whiplash. And I wanted to tie up Nell and I wanted to tie up Horse. It's like, bye-bye, Dudley. I want to play with these other people. (laughs) (laughs) Dudley was such a square. He was, but I I did have strange... um, I don't know what's wrong with me. I used to have dreams about, you know, stripping his uniform off and turning him backwards on his horse and his undergarments and tying them and smacking horse's ass and watching him trotting off into the woods. You just wanted to corrupt Dudley. That's that's perfectly natural. I know. I know. It's just kind of like, oh, dude. And I bet you you got those little penis pinchers, too, the BVDs. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Royal Canadian Mountie issue? I don't know, but he just looked like he was the kind of guy that would be wearing penis pinchers. Well, he'd at least have the he'd at least have the sock the, the shirt sock suspenders. Yes, yes. Yeah. very yes. British looking. Very British. Yes. Yeah, I just didn't see him as a boxer man. Mm-mm. Definitely not. No. He looked way too uptight for that. Where Snidely, on the other hand, I'm sure was going commando. I was just thinking, <laughs> like, Snidely doesn't need underwear. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he probably had a full bush going down down there too oh yeah he's like big mustache big bush there Mm -hmm. we go (laughs) you know i kind of miss that about the 70s you know everything is shaved now everything it's like you know i miss 70s bush you know i miss digging through and and looking for the labia you know and it was actually kind of fun sometimes you know if they tasted really sweet to pull the pubes out between your teeth you know come up going I'm having a good time, honey. (laughs) The the thing I found weird was like finding yourself going, you know, trying to figure out it's like, am I eating my own hair or am I eating the pubes? Trying to to sort it out. (laughs) See, the last time I, you know, pubes were very prevalent. I had braces, so it's like, oh, pubes and braces are the worst. Oh, no, that would be the worst. Oh, my God. That's my next scene. I'm going to put braces on them. <laughs> I'm going to do forced by, and they both have to have full pubes. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm glad I helped inspire you. <laughs> oh, they wish I'd do that with them. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, everyone. <laughs> Oh, you wouldn't believe some of the messages I get for parties. Can I do this here? Can you arrange for some guy to suck me off and forced by? And I'm going, dude, get your own man. Right. You know, this is not prostitution, sir. Yeah, it, it no is shit. Tricky with the dungeon stuff, the the one that I found weird was there was a dom that was lamenting. It's like the 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 flakes are calling the phone line, and she's trying to set up actual appointments mm-hmm. and such. I said, when, when I was working up north, it's like, uh, I, was, I used to work for Fantasy Makers a long time ago, and we had the Flake phone, which mm-hmm. that was the number that was in all the papers, that was the number that would be on the Craigslist thing or what have you. Um, and then we had, well, the thing is, after somebody had called the Flake phone and actually scheduled an appointment and been to, this, been to the dungeon a few times, 
then we'd give them the real phone number. And that yeah. was the one when that phone rang, you definitely had to answer it. That's a paying client. Um, and then the flake phone would get turned off at 10 o'clock at night. And then 10 o'clock first thing in the morning, they turn on the, they turn on the ringer. It's like, okay, let's, let's go. And, and guys come at, call in with the strength. My, my favorite was being next, next to Chris. And, uh, she'd be like, no, that's sex. No, that's sex. We do everything that is safe and legal, but we don't do sex. Yeah, we don't do anything involving penetration in the genitals, in the anus, or in the mouth, not even in the ears. I understand that, you know, putting jelly beans up the nose is also penetration. We don't usually do that either. But, you know, since that can be termed non-sexual, sure, I'll put jelly beans up your nose. You know, we get some really strange requests. I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure. So do you guys often take deposits from people who don't show or? Well, you know, the nature of the biz is, you know, there'll be certain clients because they'll request like, you know, these really involved things and they will have wasted your time for weeks with these extensive emails. They want like this seven hour session. We're going to do blah, 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 blah. I'm going to ask for a deposit for something like that. Because well, yeah, your time's valuable. It is valuable. You know, this is why, you know, on uh, some of the social media, I cut them off at three or four emails because after that, dude, you're just wanking off and making me do a lot of extra typing. And it's like, you know, just come in and pay the session. We can do it, you know. So I'm going to make you fuck yourself. But, you know, that's life. What does the average session run? Uh, normally about, you know, it depends on where you're working and, you know, the expertise, you know, independence will probably charge different prices than, you know, what our dungeon currently charges for a session fee is about $200 an hour. You know, um, if this like involving caning or some really heavy play like that, there are higher prices. Like if there's marks involved, if there's marks, it's like, you know, we charge per cane mark or like I do semi-competitive wrestling. We charge more to that because there's more of a chance of me getting physically hurt and that I'll be out of work for a while. You know, Um, I mean. It's like if I don't get the, the edge on the guy, he, he can seriously hurt me. He can break something. Definitely. And you know? Definitely. And there are some, you know, the thing is, is that like, like with adult, it's like, well, it is adult. So if you've got somebody that's subbing there and she's getting cane marks, especially if there isn't discussion about this ahead of time, and she has to go do a modeling shoot the next day, that's not involving that. She loses money. Or she loses loses money with a client who doesn't want someone who's marked when they come in. Yeah, exactly, because a lot of clients want to feel like you're virginal material. They've got this fantasy in their mind, you know, especially when they see a young submissive. They're just like, oh, my God, because they know in real life that that girl would just turn them down flat. Right. But here they've got their fantasy, and she's going to go, oh, baby, God, you're the hottest thing I've ever seen. (gasps) Oh, my God, look at your penis. (gasps) Will you make it come for me? Oh, please. Oh, please. I love watching men squirt. Oh, please, please. You hit me so good. Oh, 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 so good, sir. Yeah. And if (laughs) if she has marks on her from another dude, I could totally be like some dude being like, nope, 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 nope. And then she's out that money. 
Exactly. Just like my girlfriend got really mad at me when she saw the teeth marks on my inner thigh. She says, nobody else is supposed to do that. I said, he didn't bite my vagina. Well, it was just rude for him not to be symmetrical, but he should have gotten both thighs. <laughs> but he Agreed. left really nice teeth marks, man. Right. That's why he should have done both thighs. It's just asymmetrical. That's not cool. Well, he did both sides. They just weren't even. <laughs> See, that's that's amateur bullshit. Amateur bullshit right there. Very unesthetic. Right? We, we aim for symmetry. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I don't know. Some people... Yeah, go figure. He, he has to go to more of your classes and learn. Oh, no, baby. He can bite me anytime. There, there have been art <laughs> of the... I, I'm, Sanctuary has to have done an art of the bite class. I've known other places to do it. it it's just a matter of where and when. It's, that actually... Does, there's, there is a thing with... Well, we don't do it with clients because uh, saliva is the body fluid. True, that is fluid exchange technique. So it's yeah. considered fluid exchange. So no, we don't bite, you know, we don't do a lot of licking, we don't kiss. Anything that's going to involve an exchange of body fluid is not happening. No exchange of urine, no exchange of feces, no exchange of saliva, no, no, snot. Ex- no snot, no sexual juice. And you even have to think about sweat. You know, I sweat like crazy when I play. That's probably I'm probably the only dom you're going to meet that plays in her G-string. Because I want to get my outfit soaked. And they'll go, can I lick you? And I'll just go, here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can imagine sweating that much in leather, like you distort the leather. And and then I get like die marks on me and stuff. <laughs> exactly. Oh, you don't want that. Well, that's, that's kind of the thing that happens on the gay side is... Um, because doing the doing the fetish art stuff, I'll do like the Tom of Finland events as well as the uh, as well as stuff like DomCon and and some of the other uh, parties and such. And the guys, it's like yeah, they're 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 walking around in their leathers and mm-hmm. they're getting sweaty in their leathers and the leather is so the leathers are soaking them up, and so there's I I've 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 known some guys that are like. Dude, no, no, not, not, but others that are like, oh yeah. And it's like the leather, the sweat, the beer and the cigars. Well, just, we just get people little... that are into armpit licking. Mm-hmm. Go figure that out. Well, then again, we know in, in Napoleon's time that to show your lover that you cared, you, you put an apple in your armpit, and walked around with it all day so that it would get your your um, pheromones and an odor on it, and you present that to your lover at the end of the day, and she would enjoy it because it had your smell and your taste. That is she way too much fucking effort. I know it's a lot of effort, but we used to be far more pheromone-based than we are now. People well, we also had a lot less things to do with our day. <gasps> That's true. We There's no Facebook have... to distract me. Yeah, Apple. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it's, I mean, things have changed. But there are some people that are still into that. We get guys that request hairy girls are like, well, request stinky feet for foot worship. Oh, yeah. There's a foot worship unto itself is. Oh, that's a kink, a fetish that is all on to its own. And with its own dimensions. And people that are really into it will go, I don't get why the rest of the world doesn't get this. You know, and I'll go, can I please massage your feet? And I'm going, yeah, but don't stick them in your mouth, okay? 
And, you know, every time the one guy, he'll, he'll, and I'm just like, go get the goddamn rubbing alcohol and clean them. I told you not to do that. You know, but he just can't help himself. It's like when I meet him, he never looks me in the eye. He's always looking at my feet. Always. It's like, dude, look at these boobs, man. (laughs) What's wrong with you? Totally missing out on what's up here. Well, that's just totally how his brain's wired. Exactly. And and you can't convince them that the rest of the world, it's just that they haven't admitted to their foot love yet. It's like, bullshit, dude. That's your kink. Most people are not that into feet. (laughs) Unless you're Quentin Tarantino, but... Well, yeah. But, you know, I mean, I don't have any problem with that. But, you know, it's like, yeah, you're going to pay me if you want to suck up my toes. <laughs> and you're going to you're gonna bathe them afterwards. <laughs> it's like, it's just kind of not my thing. So you mentioned DomCon. Just segue real quick. Mm. What goes on at DomCon? Well, first, let me say May 9th through... Oh, actually, it's May 12th. Through thirteenth this year. Oh, that's year. right. Because we got the we've got the B two B section. They're, yeah, they're, we actually. I kid you not. We actually have a business to business side of DomCon. That's as usually, you should. There's the, yeah, a lot of business involved. Yeah, with because this. the yeah. first three days is industry. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and part of Friday. Jesus Christ! And then I, it becomes open to the public on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I miss AVN having a industry only day. I miss their things being just industry only. Putting that out there. Yeah, but DomCon, actually, if you are a BDSM professional, Wednesday and Thursday are the industry-only classes. You must be a professional to get in there or, you know, planning on becoming a professional. How about the media? The media? Well, Getty Getty shows up there, and they take pictures all over the place, you know. um, I I was talking for myself, but... Sure. You want to get in on a media pass? I'm the media, yeah. Yeah, I used to do that at DomCon before they got wise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, uh, Comic-Con. You remember back in the days? <laughs> you used to be able to sneak in. I'm with the La Jolla Press, man. See my thing? Look at all my camera equipment. Oh, uh, sure, come on in. <laughs> hey, last I checked, I run a semi-successful podcast that has been written up in multiple news outlets. We're, we're the media. Yeah. Yeah, you're the media. I'm going to keep drinking to that. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And the actually, in this case, what the, the major difference is, is that what you'll be seeing there would be the, the things on legal, like mm-hmm. how, to, how, to, how to not get arrested running a dungeon. Sanitation is a really important class that they do. Yeah. Sanitation in a dungeon is so important. And I under- can only imagine. Understanding what... Calvicide is used for it, and and um, matricide, and what rubbing alcohol, and when you use hydrogen peroxide, and how many minutes you need need to leave matricide on the surface. That is non-porous, and understanding the difference between this germicide and that germicide, and what it kills, you know, and what barrier protection to use, you know, because certain things will eat through latex. And what if somebody has a latex allergy? Do you what kind of gloves do you use? Well, nitrile. Mm-hmm. You know, but there are a lot of things that go into this that you have to think about. And, you, oh, go uh, ahead. And the bright side with this, in terms of like the industry, is if you're if you're a cam girl, if mm-hmm. you're if you're talent, and you've done some BDSM, and you're thinking, you know, maybe I could do dungeon stuff on the side, or maybe I should do more BDSM stuff on the side. This is def- because it's a business to business environment, 
you can go in there and you, you're going in there to find out stuff you need to know when for, for and you can take this with you in terms of also uh, on the video side in terms of you know things that you need to know in a scene uh, mm-hmm. with BDSM and such and then when we and then as you go into Friday Saturday Sunday that's more open to the general public. Well, and then they have all the toys out and stuff. Exactly. But a lot of people don't realize what a professional dom's life is like. We work our tails off to keep the clients coming in. I am 58 years old and people still come in to see me. You know, and I am competing with girls that are in their 20s and early 30s, you know. But you have more than their lifetimes in experience. Oh, absolutely. And some people appreciate that. Some people won't. Um, you know, I lost my train of thought. This is really good coffee. <laughs> we're, we're going into the uh, uh, what what to expect at DomCon. Yes, for, uh, absolutely. For, uh, um, for you were talking about industry, and so when we when we go from industry into into the rest of the event, you're still getting. In this case, it's the classes morph more into bondage, uh, different types of BDSM play, different mm-hmm. techniques. Because I'll be teaching a, another bondage class this year. Last year was the first time in like 10 years I hadn't taught. And all sorts of people are going, oh, we came here just to take your class. I'm like, I will get my submission in this time on time. <laughs> and like uh, this year, we're hoping to do an ass mistress table. So basically, you know how hard it is when you're a sub in the, in the first in the scene and you want to serve somebody, but you just don't know the appropriate questions. Mm-hmm. We're going to create a casual form, forum for that. So that people can ask, because if you go up and mistress, I'm going to serve you and I'm going to be the best damn piece of ass you ever had. And you can beat me. It's like, I don't want anything to do with you. You're telling me what to do. Yeah, It's yeah, like, you're not, you, you you're don't not get this. This is about me, you yeah. know, and how you're going to take care of my needs and how you're going to train in my household and learn my slave positions and how to properly serve this mistress so that you're useful to me. I can find anybody to beat. I've got people lining up. My dance card is quite full. You know, I don't need another piece of ass to beat. It's like, go beat your own fucking ass. And also, the the thing that we do is... Uh, there, I kid you not, there is a kinky speed dating. I believe that's Dom Con- Friday night, right? Are Dom they going to do that um, at the Dom? I hope so. They usually so. do. And- yeah, it's, it's really nice um, if it's done by the lock and key guy, which is most fabulous. But what it is is they create an icebreaker for people. So they basically have an excuse to go up to people and talk to them by some device, whether it's a collar and a key or it's matching up cards or something like that. But it gives them a common ground to start talking. So it's a kinky love connection. It is. And I have to tell you, they, they're most it, when we've had parties like that down at Sanctuary, it's like they are so well attended in the first two hours as just you can't move. And, and people... People hook up, and that place empties out quick because people have got hooked up, and they want to go out home and do stuff. It's amazing. I apparently need an invite to the next one of those. We can arrange it. Absolutely. I'd hope so. I'd hope so. Well, if you're interested in that kind of event, you go to the Sanctuary website, which is www.sanctuarylax.com. We have a number of different parties that something for everybody, where if you're a male dom into high protocol, we got gentlemen in charge. If you're a femdom and you are a 
powerful female. Well, we've got my event club. Fuck. And then, you know, then if you're like just a wild man, we've got club anarchy, man. And if you're an absolute noob and you're absolutely oh, scared yes, about what's Oh, yes, Club new, Awakenings. I love that event. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like, so, I mean, the, with, you don't have to be, you know, it's like, come on in. Don't be, don't be afraid. You know, it's like. Oh, I know. If, got, if you're new to the L.A. scene or just new to BDSM, go to Club Awakenings. It is one of the few parties when you go in, nobody will let you be a wallflower. They will just, hi, hi, how you doing? What are you interested in? I do this. What are you doing? Oh, we're doing this tonight. And this room's going to be flocking and this room's going to be rope. And oh, my God, Mr. So-and-so's going to cover somebody with wow. <gasps> it's so cool. And it sounds we, like a lot of fucking fun. It is. It do we is. mention we have a gaming night? Oh, we do. Yeah. What sort of gaming? Regular games. Parcheesi, Monopoly. Cards oh. Against Humanity. Cards oh. Against Dragons. Magic the Gathering. Monopoly. Just, like that, that sounds like some hardcore BDSM right there. It can be if you do it right. I'm, it, it ends friendships. It ends families. <laughs> We We're can use up that. Hotels on your ass. Yes, we are. <laughs> but sir, the oh, you can't pay rent. I know how you can work that off. Yeah. Oh, there, we there we go. There's uh, gaming night, and then there's I think kinky karaoke is. <gasps> oh, matter of fact, that's coming up this next Saturday. I know because I bartend for it. It is like one of my favorite events. We have got some great voices in the kink community. It blows me away. So basically, you can come for our super awesome karaoke DJ and get drunk and sing. And the playrooms are open for play, so you can like beat people while people are singing. You know, if you're sober. If you're sober. <laughs> if you're sober. If you're sober. If you're drunk, you can watch. <laughs> if you're drunk, oh yeah, there's always something to watch. We welcome voyeurs as long as you don't sit in the corner whacking off because you know we don't like the wacka definitely not you know it's like if you want to whack that thing you better make sure you get some dominant that tells you how to do it so that it's whack a doable watchable but i gotta know yeah what is the song that you would like to play to what is your number one song to play to i love playing to rage against the machine what track you know i don't know it's just that whole album. It's just like, just keep that driving me going. And I like... Uh, Char- uh, Battle for Los Angeles, that album? Or? That's a good one. And I also like uh, Manson. What's Marilyn his? Manson. Manson. Oh, yes, yeah. Soft Cell. And, um, you know, the Jesus one. Personal Jesus. Depeche love- Mode? Or? Oh, I love Depeche Mode, too. You know, anything with a driving beat, really, really, I, I love that driving music. But, you know, I, I can also do things to Lorena McKennett and that pretty Celtic stuff and, you know, just, yeah. <laughs> in, in my opinion, music is just as important as sex, so. Well, you know, music used to be more important to me when I, when I first was performing and I had to get a name going for myself. I used to choreograph these stage scenes and pick out all this music and stuff. And they screwed up my music so many goddamn times and people would show up. I just finally said, fuck it i can sing to any music and if my bottom doesn't show up i can self-suspend i do amazing self-suspensions that blow people out of the water so it's like i am a one-woman show you know something goes wrong i roll with it that's fucking amazing well you know you can't depend on people. <laughs> Not in this town, no. You know, though, occasionally you run across the most ideal piece of property, and it is a godsend. And then you put a hotel on it. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or two. Or three. Or three. Just hope someone lands on it, get paid rent. Mm-hmm. Ooh, pay pigs. Have you? <laughs> That's off? a whole other thing. It is. <laughs> Financial dom- domination is a whole thing onto itself. That's that's kind of a hard one, but there are people into that. Oh yeah, there is. I know a couple mainstream girls who make quite a nice living on doing femdom stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. There there is a niche for everybody, you know. And sometimes it's just a matter. It's like I've got exquisite dom skills, but they take one look at this curvy body and they're thinking body worship. Can I worship your body, mistress? Please let me worship your body. Will you go topless, please? I'm like, and you don't have a begging fetish. No, not, not that really. kind of begging fetish. Not really. No, usually I'll just tie him up and then I'll strip across the room and go, look what you can't have. <laughs> look. Mm. Oh, look at me lick my nipple. Oh, it tastes so good. And I'll stick my hand in my vagina and go, oh, so sugar. sweet. <laughs> and like you honey. can never have any. Doesn't it feel good to want? See, I, and that's the part of BDSM I, can, I can't wrap my brain around. I'm just be like, I'm paying $200 an hour to be like, but I can't touch? That's right. Yeah. Well, that, it depends on how the touch is. The, the, that's the thing is that like when, when, I'm, when I'm spreading the news on, let's say, Ashley Renee or um, Cupcake Sinclair or, um, oh, goodness, name is... Pardon the pun, right on the Jewel Marceau. Her Jewel, name was right yes. on the tip of my tongue. She's quite famous. And the thing is, is that you have the opportunity. We've also had a number of porn stars uh, come to play at the dungeon when the big AIDS thing with, uh, was it, I'm, there, was a, there was a guy about 2004 who tested positive, and we had a quarantine on the adult industry. Oh, I remember that. Uh, Cyan actually took in some some folk from the scene because number one, it's you know no fluid exchange, and number two, the the quarantine was on. They had no work, so they were doing sessions uh, when the uh, when sanctuary was up in the valley. And that was how they were paying the bills. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, like with Jewel Marceau, you can pay the two hundred dollars, and you're getting spanked by a fucking porn star, mm-hmm. or you've got Cupcake Sinclair, and you're giving a spanking to a porn star, or you know, if you know bondage or certain bondage things, you can be tying up a porn star like Ashley Renee or mm-hmm. or uh, or Cupcake Sinclair, and and the thing is, is that. Actually, there's a good question to ask. Yeah, if you're a noob and you don't want to, you don't have the time necessarily for the class, but you do want to actually schedule a session mm-hmm. to learn how to do bondage on somebody. Can you do something like that through sanctuary? Oh, absolutely. Actually, I offer fi- private lessons because you know I used to not have a place to do that, and I would have to charge them a session fee, and I'd say two hundred dollars an hour. They go, "What the fuck." 
And I'm like, you get my undivided time in a private room. Well, I made a, a, a deal with a mistress. And if I use the main stage, basically, they can get a private lesson from me for $125 an hour, which means you get my undivided attention for the exact lesson that you request. I also have my students videotape it so they have their own personal videotape of the bondage that they want to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I don't make them sit through my whole safety lecture. I just talk about the stuff that's pertinent to what we're tying. Right. It's like time is money. We're just getting down to the nitty gritty. But, you know, when they do book a private lesson to me, I do hone it in. It's like, what exactly are you looking for? And this is why I, you know, why I do take noobs on. I usually advise students, just come to my classes. My classes are $10 for a two-hour class. You know, get comfortable with it. And then when you become more advanced, then book the private lesson with me because then I can show you something really show-stopping because you'll be ready for it. Mm-hmm. But either way, I mean, it's always a good investment. I love it when couples come in, they book me for actually a private session, and they bring in their toy bag, and I show them how to use everything in their bag during the session and how to use the equipment in the room. And they leave with all these wonderful skills. And, I mean, that is probably the most rewarding session for me than anything else. And they'll do, like, if, if you pay for it, they'll do, like, a... a, a, a I, I don't... I, I don't want to call it a B and B thing, but you can like rent a room like as a couple. You can rent a room for the night. Uh, oh yeah! Once again, if do. I I may go with the website www.sanctuarylax.com. If you go to the website, you can take a virtual tour of the dungeon and see what our rooms look like. It also will have all our different session rates, what our session rules are. It has all the staff pictures. We're gorgeous. You know, and plus a lot of members of Sanctuary are on there. And plus you can check our event schedule and see all the fantastic events that we do. And plus we are also a professional working dungeon. So during the weekdays, you know, um, during the day hours and stuff, we actually see clients and do that sort of thing. And then on the weekends, like on Friday and Saturday nights, we open up the the dungeon for parties. Sometimes they're open to the pub. Sometimes they may require a sanctuary membership, which, by the way, is not that hard to get. We have a free one, and we also have a VIP one, which costs a little bit more, but it gets you a lot of discounts. If you're super kinky and need to come see us a lot, the VIP membership is for you. Membership has its privileges, it right? It does. You know, frequent beating card. Mm-hmm. It's like a punch card on the tough beating spree. Oh, yeah. <laughs> No, actually, it's just a nice little laminated card. (laughs) Though, you know, we ought to do that. We ought to do the punch card thing, you know. After you get this fill up, you get to have... Ten spanking free. (laughs) A free caning. A free caning by the whole dungeon. Everyone's going to take their turn. Oh, you'd be surprised sometimes the people, clients will request that. It's like... Dude, I can't just tell all these people to hit you. You know, do you want to pay each one of them to make your fantasy come true? They're going, uh, you can't just have people randomly walk through. <laughs> like, that's you- actually the opposite of what I expect. It's like, I, with when, when I was up at Fantasy Makers, we actually had like a system. It's like, you know, you'd have, it, well, it was one thing if you had the doms in the middle, of the, mm-hmm. the, we'd have a waiting room. 
But you know, it's like I, I was one of the houseboys over there. We'd have friends of the dungeon that would be hanging out. TV would be on. And then you hear like this moment of silence and the door clear. And it's like all the guys suddenly have to rush into the kitchen because wow. guys don't want to be seen coming out. It's like if some, you know, we wanted it at least have the respect for the guy doing and discre- there is a discretion at, at sanctuary as well it's yeah but the thing is like some clients don't want to be seen absolutely and then i get the ones that you know they want the public humiliation occasionally if i happen to be able to go to a play party i'll arrange for a session then mm-hmm. so i can bring them up on stage strip their fucking ass down to nothing and beat their little dick you know and that's what they want you know, it's like, okay, you know, but it's like, they write me all the time. Oh, can I please follow? It's like, no, I'm not going to do that for free. It's like, you know, I'm going to a play party. We're going to do what I want to do. And it isn't beating your little fucking dick. That doesn't amuse me. I'm a lesbian. <laughs> God damn it. I will be glad to kick it across the room for you to, oh, God, do not expect me to make nice. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. It's awesome. <laughs> I might be just a little jaded. Just no, you don't a, say. No. 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 <laughs> no. With all your experience and all the clientele over the years, jaded? Never. 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 <laughs> but I do really enjoy my work. Yeah, I get, you know, the people that, you know, I'm providing fantasy role play and I do not always get a choice in the scene that I'm providing for a client, but I am very good at what I do. I'm going to make sure your fantasy is granted. But every once in a while, I get to do exactly what I want to do and I have to tell you that is marvelous. Especially when I get a juicy pain puppy, you know, and it's like limits are off. They're just like, I really don't have limits and I'm just going, okay. Okay. And you know this is someone that's speaking from experience, uh-huh. not doing the newbie. I'll do anything, Mister. Oh well, you know, and just because they're experienced doesn't mean they can take a long scene. I had a play partner that was my demo bottom for years. Did heinous things to him, but you have to realize all our scenes were done either in classrooms or for a performance on stage. So he never got played longer than thirty minutes, and he begged me and begged me, "Can we please go and play out one night?" So I. Planned this whole big evening for him, scene with him for two and a half hours. And at the end of the night, he sends me this picture. He's got one mark on his body. One mark. (laughs) You know, so I know I didn't hurt him, but I had him floating in subspace. He's like, thank you, mistress. He sends me the picture. Oh, thank you, God. This was so good. Two days later, see, he hits sub drop. Um. That's kind of when the the hormones kind of wear off. There's kind of this catharsis. You and- know, like when the runner's high wears off yeah. and you're depressed. Well, he hit that space and he starts picking at the the one mark and ends up scratching his whole body up. Next thing I know, I'm being called on the mat going, look what you did to this man. Oh my God, you destroyed him. And I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck? He's when he left my hands, he was fine. Here's a picture of the only only mark he had on his body. What's going on? And I mean, you know, and all these mistresses. I've played with him. What the fuck did you do to him? I'm like, 
holy shit. I didn't mean to break him off. I didn't, but the thing is I realized later on, you know, we have since made amends and we, we, we are slowly building conversations back up. I'm too scared to ever play with this man again because he had a break from reality that I just can't deal with. You know, but I mean, things like that can happen. You know, it's... Whew. I'm kind of curious. How is it for you to play with someone who may be sexually attracted to you that you're not... You have no sexual attraction to because it's some dude? Um, well, I mean, I'm always way up front, you know, because it's like um, I've done sessions and after the race, like, you sure you don't want to have sex with me? And I said, you don't have enough money. Or you the know, right equipment. Or the right equipment. You know, I, I mean, you know, and I usually try to let him down gently. Dude, I'm gay. I'm just not into dudes. I'm really, really sorry. You know, if, if I was into dudes, you've got the best penis ever. But wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It, it, it just doesn't make my little clit hard. I'm so sorry. You know, and I'll have to gently let them down because I don't want to hurt their ego or anything like that. I Unless understand. They're into that. Unless they're into that. Absolutely. But, you know, but this is not about destroying people's lives. I care about the people that I play with. And yeah, I do have to stroke the male eagle sometimes when it's really not my thing. But I remember, you know, all of us are human beings. And just because they want to be and do whatever mistress, at the end of the day, they are still a human being. You know, it's like when I figured out what was going on with him, that he was experiencing a really bad sub drop and something in his brain snapped. And, um, you know, because I mean, I knew everybody around him and found out what was really going on. I'm just going, we really, even if you've been playing with somebody with years, intakes are important. You got to figure out where somebody's emotional state with. And it didn't even dawn on me because I'd been playing with him for years that an extended session would affect him that way. You know, I was beat after that. I don't like to play with people for two and a half hours straight, constant flogging and whipping and everything. But I really wanted to give him this great scene. But, you know, we are playing with whole people. You know, and, and things do happen. I mean, the endorphins are running when we're playing. And then it's like, you know, a few days later and the endorphin's not there. And then all of a sudden remember, oh, I think I got hurt. Oh, shit. Well, the thing I found funny about that at first was I've known of people that it's like they're in in the scene. Sometimes there's a pride in the marks, depending on what's Mm -hmm. going on. And there are conversations that go back and forth because you'll have somebody that like you breathe on them wrong and they bruise. Mm-hmm. And then you've got somebody else like I, I've known of really, really cute looking subs that are like, I can't bruise. I can't. They want the souvenirs. And it's like they get this real heavy spanking or caning or what have you. And they walk away and there's nothing. Yeah. Well, the body gets used to that after a while. Yeah. You develop calluses and. Well, and the, the plus your nervous system and everything has been trained. The, the capillaries don't rupture like they used to. Your body has toughened up. But. What I want to get back to is the aftercare. Yeah. He had instructions from me to contact me the next day. I wanted to make sure he was okay. And he sent me the instructions. He was okay. 
And I endured all the yellings and everything that he did with me because I felt it was an important part of the aftercare. Whether or not we ever played again, Mm -hmm. he felt wronged. I still had to acknowledge that. I still had to deal with it. I let him just go off on me because that's what he needed to do. You know, my part for protecting myself is I will never play with him again because I know where he will go. Yeah. You know, but I still love him. I still care about him. I still inquire about him. I still, you know, check with other mistresses. And I actually sometimes make sure he gets played with because I know he needs it. But I also kind of clue people in going, yeah, you don't want to do a two-hour scene, but he loves a good short 30 minute Mm -hmm. and you'll get the most out of it. You know, because we do care about the people that we play, whether or not they turn on us or there's been something that's happened. But the best thing you can do as a dominant, I know that I will acknowledge a mistake. Shit happens. I am not always perfect at throwing my whip. Rather than keeping on with the scene, I'm going to stop and say, hey, are you okay? Do we need to do first aid? You know, and a lot of times, you know, it's like I retire my whip at that portion of the thing and I'll go grab a different toy to play with. You know, but it's it's all taking personal responsibility. And subs aren't off the hook either. You know, the one thing that'll piss me off more than anything as a dominant is somebody who lies about their experience level, their um, whether they're medium or soft or heavy duty. It's like, just be honest with me. I don't care if you're feather light. It tells me what I have to work with. I am an amazing dom. And if I have to do a feather light session, I will send you into amazing subspace, even without the pain. It's just better for everyone involved if they're honest. Exactly. You're I mean, going to get what you want. The dom's not going to fuck you up. Exactly. But, you know, that's like my two major things are honesty, the intake, and the aftercare. I don't need to plan a scene. I am very spontaneous. It's just like, give me the parameters. All right, let's go. (laughs) That's fucking awesome. Hey, guys. So, it is getting about that time for okay. last call. We are yes, um, we went over the sanctuary website, of course, which is www.sanctuarylax.com. My personal website, which is www.misscassielovesrote.com. There's also a contact page that has all this stuff on it, including mm-hmm. Sanctuary's website. Awesome. But it does not have DomCon's website, which if there's any convention that you do during the year, DomCon is the one you should attend. It's huge. You will meet more people. It's got classes. It's got parties. It is an amazing introduction to the kink scene, an amazing place to meet up with old friends. And the website is www domconla.com and that's local here in Los Angeles it is it's at the Hilton LAX down by the airport mm-hmm. that's not so local. you that's want the west side oh yeah that's true I forgot about <laughs> living in LA but yo 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 I know it sounds early but if you want a room in the hotel get your registration done now those rooms fill up really really quick and so do the surrounding hotels but it is the event to go to it is a blast I've been going for about almost 10 years i think and um oh it's a yeah it's a must see especially if you're into kink if you have- and the vendors oh my god just about any toy imaginable it's like you know it's like 
I know a lot of people, that's where they purchase the very first kink toy, whether it's a paddle, a flogger, you know, bondage tape. I've called it the World's Fair of Kink because one mm-hmm. of the things you'll see with DomCon is people will, pre- like uh, Stockroom premiered uh, their new line. Uh, where tip- typical BDSM bondage uh, leather gear is traditionally black leather, stainless steel or nickel plated mm-hmm. uh, hardware. And they did this very, very uh, antique, uh, elegant looking brown leather with uh, brass uh, line. And they debuted that over at uh, DomCon. So it's all like steampunk and shit. It, it was very steampunk. Oh, yeah. They have a really nice line of different things on the. Well, in their store and on their website, the stock mm-hmm. room has been supplying kink to Los Angeles for a really long time. And so you can go to DomCon and you'll see new, you'll see where some of the new stuff is coming from. It's kind of funny every once in a while, you'll see like one of the big guys will try and come up with something like you'll see something from Doc Johnson or Mm -hmm. one of the other uh, big toy makers. And you'll go, wait a minute, I saw something like that at DomCon like three years ago. Yeah, you'll get a lot of people that will do prototypes at DomCon. You know, even Sanctuary now has a glass case where they're selling, you know, different things. Yeah, some amazing things from local artisans in town. You know, it's it's amazing what people do. You know, I know I myself, I make chainmail toys. And a lot of people don't know this about me because I haven't really been selling or anything. I usually make it for gifts. But yeah, there there are us people doing all sorts of that. We even have a person that does vegan friendly kink toys. Mm-hmm. I'm out. Animals have to die for my kink. Yeah, I know. I'm a big meat eater. It's like after my scene, it's like give me a steak. But you'll <laughs> see, you'll see latex, you'll see leather, mm-hmm. PVC, uh, and stuff you haven't seen before. Is it worth mm-hmm. the the vanilla media like myself to go check out? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. You know, because people are so friendly there; they're going to answer your questions. You know, they know there's a lot of stigma about our lifestyle. You know, with and you know both lifestyle and pro. I have to tell you, being a professional, I get stigma from the lifestylers, and I've been in the lifestyle well over thirty years. We'll just say. Um, but this is this is an event. What's funny is to watch the some of the not naming names, but every once in a while the hotel staff, they, we've been there so long, and so it's like oh, they okay, look I'm forward off shift. to us Let being me go there. have a look. You know, you can you can go in in jeans and a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't recommend the parties for this later on. Well, but the actual parties out, have yeah. a dress code. You know, like the fetish ball. Yeah, you know, they're, they're you, you're going to want to put on something really nice, or at least black. Or at so, least black. A nice layer t-shirt. Well, if you pair that with a leather corset and some, you know, six-inch boots that and, and a pair of assless chaps, I think you're good to go. Oh, definitely. Slayer t-shirt and some <laughs> assless chaps oh, rock. Hot, man. Yeah. Oh, this is, if you're metal, this, you, you'll oh, you fit right in. Oh, there is definitely a crossover with goth and BDSM. Oh, I know, I know. Oh, yeah, we, we love that stuff. I may have to come. I may have to come down and check it out. You, you should. I mean, just, just for the experience, sucks. just do some podcasting down there too. Well, you know, I mean, um, it, I think it would be really cool if you did like an interview thing throughout the conference. I'd be happy to. Let you me know, talk to Cyan about yeah, that. talk to Cyan about that, and then you could compile like this DomCon thing for us. That would be really awesome. That we could. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if you heard what we did from AVN this year. We did 
17 different interviews at Did ABN. you really? Yep. Awesome. I just pretty much camped in the media room all weekend. Nice. Besides my awkward. Well, you know, stage, uh, TSR Network, we did that one year. We had a booth space and we interviewed people the entire time. And um, it was a blast because it was a little bit different perspective. And of course, that year we also had boot cam. And that was back when my uh, thigh high vinyl boots were still boots. They have since um, died. You know, may and I thought, yes, may they rest in peace. But, you know, we used to have things in the sky. That's all he would do the entire DomCon. Oh, just shooting boots. Just shooting boots. And, oh, my God, it was so hot. That would be so. That would be funny. To you know, do but we've done yeah. things like that. So yes, I think you should see if that's a possibility. You know, so we can get different people's feedback because I love to hear everybody's point of view. The old school versus the new school versus the merely curious to the. Oh my God, this is real! Wow. See, I, I don't. I'm not going to be the. This is real. I, I, I'm exposed to it. I just as a personal player is just you know it's not what i'm into at least not what i've experienced that i've been into yeah it doesn't mean that like oh my god i'll be experiencing like oh i'm into this now well you know it's all about evolving it's like i am definitely not into the same things that i was doing as a teenager as i am to now you know as i've grown older the mind has become much more important to me it's like i need that mental stimulation i mean people used to once upon a time i was married to a man and people would look and going, oh, he's so big and ugly. We just don't picture you with him. I said, you do not understand. This man's mind is incredible. He is the wizard on the acid trip. He will tell you what hallucinations to see. You know, he was my first foray into kink. I mean, you know, it was like we used to have orgies every other weekend at the house. And, you know, many things, so many things to share. But, you know, the thing that, you know, really, really attracted to me was his mental prowess, his creativity, his commanding. You know, he mentally he was all dominant, you know, which was amazing. You know, the fact that he could admit to himself that he was gay. He's like, no, I'm the great big bye. It's like, dude, you're only happy when you're fucking a guy. (laughs) (sighs) Only me, only me, I could marry a gay man. (laughs) You know, believe me, he didn't look the part. He was a big old German dude, man. That's a different kind of gay guy. He fit right in it. Oh, Oh, Tom of Finland. Oh, yeah. Oh, they would love him. Yes. Yes. And he liked to be the person that received Mm-hmm. I would come home and he'd have the strangest thing stuck up his butt <laughs> and I'd have to remove some of it like he did not realize that a tampon, tampon requires lubricant and your ass doesn't have any and I <laughs> does he suffer from toxic uh, shock syndrome <laughs> you would think so that man drank so much nothing would <laughs> live in his body his solution to every cold uh, honey go get me some rum it's like okay no problem Little so 151. I'll be damned. One time he shot himself with his gun. Yeah, this is a true story. And, um, you know, he's like, oh, my God, I should report this and everything. Calls the police, tells him this cock. What caliber? Uh, uh, Western 22. Okay, so just a 22. Yeah, hollow point. It's still bad news. I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying it's not bad know, news. But. He was uh, twirling it, you know, in and out of the holster in front of the mirror. And at one point, it shot off. It went through his side and came out as the bottom of his ass. 
And, you know, he's going, oh, my God, you know, somebody must have heard this gunshot because it's six in the morning. I better call the police. And the police get there and everything. He's going, yeah, dudes, this man, like, broke in and everything and grabbed my gun and bit this thing and blah, blah, blah. And the cops are going, oh, yeah, right, dude. Yeah, right, dude. Dude, you are shot. We need to take you to the hospital. He's like, no, I'm just being a good citizen and reporting a gunshot in the vicinity. He says, no, I, I've done karate. I know my body. He says, really, honestly. Not, I've done karate. I've been shot before. You know, he says, it's only gone through the house, fat pad. Honest to God, it hasn't hit any internal organs. God damn it, if he wasn't right. He didn't go to the hospital. The man was just fine. We put a little Band-Aid on his booty, and he was fine. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True story. <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. Well, with you got to understand the reason why I'm doing the double take and the triple take here is it's kind of you. I know I live in Los Angeles in the 21st century when pot is now legal. We have our second celebrity president. Mm-hmm. Conservatives hate the NFL. Wait, is Reagan our first celebrity president? That's yeah. That's so. Mm-hmm. And 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 people are shamed for gun ownership, and I'm tr- I'm trying not to be political about it, but I know there are going to be listeners out there that are like, "Shame on you! How dare you!" And it's like I I'm a I'm a I, I was raised in Livermore, California, a redneck town, but I'm hearing you know it's like it, the the moment I'm here is like, what caliber was it? It's like, oh gosh, gun geeking. Oh which, yeah, no, I which, I'm a gun owner. Okay. By the way, gunplay is not allowed at sanctuary. And nor under, should it be. Yeah. Under any circumstance, yeah. because um, you know there's too much of chance of an accident. Happy somebody not bringing in a facsimile, wanting to use the real thing, and being stupid enough not to clean the chamber. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, there's, there's a, just all the, sorts. The first of rule of firearms: every firearm should be treated as it's loaded. Yes. So if you're bringing it exactly. into play, with, I mean, exactly. I mean, I I had my share of guns when I was a young woman, and I had to tell you as an adult, I no longer want one. You know, it isn't so much that I don't trust myself. I don't trust other people. What if they get to that gun before me? And well, what you if they make sure that doesn't happen? Well, exactly. But you know, I, I my husband used to make me sleep with a, a loaded thirty-eight police special underneath my pillow. I did not enjoy that. Well, and that's dangerous in its own right. There are stories of people like grabbing guns in their sleep and discharging mm-hmm. them. Yeah, I the the th- uh, yeah, I for me. I, I was a gun nut in high school. It's just not uh, to put it in perspective. It's I I I love engineering. Mm-hmm. I just don't have that that obsession where it's like I've got to have ten thousand guns and there and Obama's coming to get my guns. It's just you know it. But I've I've done the gun. One of my favorite things to watch is Forgotten Weapons. It's mm-hmm. it's definitely gun porn, and it, all it is is a guy going. And today, um, hi, my name's Ian with Forgotten Weapons. We're here at the James Julia Auction House. Can you imagine this with sex toys? We're here at the uh, oh we're here at the Good Vibrations Auction House, and what we have here is a 1985 Doc Johnson vibrator for a second. And this was marketed. Um, this was one of their first. Uh, uh, <laughs> this was cast in a. Um, You're gonna laugh. I actually still have my first anal kit from Doc Johnson that I got in 1983 because my girlfriend worked at Midnight Books and probably plaster cast and a Mm -hmm. a good seller it was on the market for the 
anal plug after this, all these many years since 1983 is still in very good condition. I do not know what kind of plastic they use, but you can still stick that thing up a butt. See, back in the day, they made things to last instead of, you know, (laughs) planned obsolescence. See, these days they're just like, no, 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 we want this to break down in a couple months because then you're going to have to buy another one. Exactly. Back in the day, they made things to last. And you could use any lube on it, but now we have lube that eats certain things. But it kills stuff. That's probably another episode. (laughs) (laughs) We we were rapping, but that was 20 minutes ago. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So Uh, thank you so much for having us. Yes, absolutely. It was an absolute pleasure. Where can we find you guys on social media? I know we talked about... Let's do the websites again because that was 20 minutes ago that we okay, did those. Okay, <laughs> so if you want to find Miss Cassie, I am www.misscassieloversrope.com. The place where and I... That, that's Cassie with an I-E, right? Yes, C-A-S-S-I-E, yes. Um, and then, of course, if you want to um, see what Sanctuary is all about, go to www.sanctuarylax.com. If you want to find out more about DomCon LA, I highly suggest it. It is a blast. Go to www.domconla.com. Now, I know the Lair Desaad has a Facebook page, so you can actually type in Lair Desaad and find them on Facebook. I think they are LairDesaad.com. Yeah, the I think so are too. Subject. Your classes? Yeah, I actually, you'll find my classes not only advertised in on FetLife and different things and their things, but I also advertise on Meetup. I advertise on Facebook, on Twitter. I'm always twittering about something. Twitter, Twitter. Now you're. Uh, Cassie Loves Rope on Twitter? Would yeah, you... at Cassie Loves Rope on Twitter. I'm Clue Darker on Facebook, and that's capital C, capital L O U D A R K E R. Clue Darker. It's like, get a clue to my darker side. And with the, with the Facebook, that's mo- uh, you're doing a lot of events listings. On I that Facebook, do. Right? I've also got the Female Uniting Kink uh, page on Facebook as well. I do some advertising there. So I've got my um, Miss Cassie Clue Darker page. I've also got the Club Fuck page. I've got uh, groups on uh, Facebook. I've got the Sanctuary Kink Academy and Pain Torture Association (PTA). I've also got the Miss Sanctuary Sanctuary Kink Academy. We've also got a, a club fuck discussion group so there are ways to contact us on sanctuary i'm um, on facebook as well you know so there's kink sites there's twitter i mean we're all over the place but i always give people my website because i have a contact page on there that lists all this stuff including my pinterest if you want to see what kind of pinterest i'm into which by the way my pinterest is awesome i'm always getting <laughs> notices oh my god where'd you find this bondage picture i said it is on pinterest Good times, good times. Good times. Jay, do you have any social media you'd like to share with the audience? Uh, well, okay. For those who have been listening, we didn't really do much with the introductions. Oh, uh, well, so I'll, the way that works is I, I do intros that I'll record after the show. Okay. Uh, I have, um, we, on the business side, uh, blackandbluemedia.com, uh, publicity for the adult industry, no smoke and mirrors, just hardcore service. Uh, but probably what the listeners would more enjoy would be, uh, I do fetishartist.net. 
Uh, I do fetish art, uh, kink art, BDSM art, and that's probably a whole nother episode and discussion on its own. Uh, but through fetishartist.net, I've got links to the Etsy account uh, and uh, upcoming stuff that will come up on Instagram, Twitter. I'm fetish artist on Twitter, fetish artist on Instagram. And through fetishartist.net, you not only see the uh, work in progress, stuff I'm up to. By the way, uh, I've got two pieces over at Lelouz de la Suze Gallery until April 1st. Uh, but... Also, uh, I do share the love with other artists, other up-and-coming stuff. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. Guys, thank you. Oh, Thank I you for pleasure. doing the show. I had a fucking blast. <laughs> and for the audience at home, if you don't know for some goddamn reason by this point, you can find me at Matt underscore Slayer on Twitter, Matt Slayer on Instagram, Matt F and Slayer on Facebook, Matt Slayer on Snapchat. You can find the podcast at And Now We Drink on Twitter, And Now We Drink underscore on Instagram, www.andnowwedrink.com. We're probably going to do some off-air drinking real quick because, you know, the party's still going. Mm-hmm. I haven't finished my coffee and yet. And there's, a, there's a three-quarter left of, uh, or no, a quarter left of uh, Rebel Yell and uh, still some... Well, actually, it's the... Uh, Ghost, isn't this tequila? Oh, we do have a fair amount of ghost tequila left. Yes, yes. Ghost yes. pepper tequila. Yes, you should see how much into this bottle we got. Ooh, delicious. Yeehaw. That's right. Or All is right, it? Yay, 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 yay. Till next week. <laughs> Stay filthy, y'all. Mmm.